Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and as always I'm here with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Hey, I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Jess Perkins. Hey Dave. You're Dave Warnicky. Welcome to the show. Thank you. And together we are... Yeah, mum's butt. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we each make up a cheek. Me, the sphincter. <laughs> <laughs> so we either- I was going to say, I'm the crack. Isn't it nice how we'll always throw ourselves under the bus? <laughs> we'll all throw ourselves in your mum's butt. <laughs> all right, we've already lost a couple of new listeners. Yeah, I, I know. The Fair, sorry people about that. very interested in the topic <laughs> and they've already turned off. I'm not good at improv. Mm. And my default is a butt. Yeah. Okay? Well, I did Sue two me. levels, and you could see how I descended. Be be honest though, Matt. Was level one just teaching you to say either your mum's butt or sphincter? Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. like it's always funny. No, no. That that why the first level was your mum's butt. Mm-hmm. Level two was sphincter. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's why I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a rough time in my life. <laughs> it's funny to funny to look back on now, but. Yeah. Jeez, I don't think I enjoyed a single second of it. <laughs> <laughs> but you persevered. Yeah, yeah. 
And way, that says a lot about you. The way you look back on that is how I look back on my years of swimming lessons. So <laughs> there you go. Hmm. And uh, we were also about the same age. Yeah. And we've uh, we both bombed yeah. in those <laughs> memories. I actually have no regrets. Wow. So. wow, that's how you should be. Yeah. Despite everything. I Good really feel you. like you learn from everything. Love that. And well, despite how I am, <laughs> don't regret anything. But have you learned to swim? God no. <laughs> yeah, didn't think so. Mm. Don't throw me in a body of water. Mm-mm. All right. <laughs> Is that what you had planned for Christmas? Yeah, yeah mm. damn. Crossing it off the list now. <laughs> hey, Jess, yeah. you know what you do know. Yes? <laughs> How to explain this show. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> so what this show is, if you're a new listener especially, um, each week one of us goes off, we report a topic usually suggested by the listener, we... we read about it, we watch stuff about it, we write out a little report, we bring it back to the other two who sit quietly and patiently and uh, respectfully interject only when it's relevant. Um, And somehow we've done that for five years. Can I make a suggestion? Oh, here we go. Would we ever consider employing some sort of 60s style sitcom theme song that explains everything in the (gasps) intro so we can just go straight into it. And the rest. (laughs) (laughs) And we come in and go, bam. Well, yeah. um, If any listener wants to put one of those together, we'll trial that out in a future (laughs) week. Fantastic. That's such a good idea. I must emphasize it's got to be 60s sounding with like, you know, a big chorus of people singing together. But it's got to be good. But like a bit corny. Yeah. Like Mm. a little bit crap but good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So if if anyone uh, wants to put something like that together, we'll try. We'll chuck them in uh, over the coming weeks. If anyone, if different options, and yeah, then we'll right. see how it feels. Yeah, we yeah. we imagine we're going to get many options. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll probably be doing it over the next what three three four months. Yeah. Yep. Each week we'll have a, a, a new one <laughs> option. And we definitely won't forget between now and when the emails start coming yeah. in, and then we go. <laughs> these what are you talking about what did we ask for (laughs) what happened who did this um and uh something i forgot to mention is we always get onto the topic with a question it is my week to do the report and i have a question for you gentlemen are you ready i'm ready hands on that was my question oh Oh, damn well i got it right great well no can i just lock you out you've already answered it's my turn now yep i'm also ready okay wonderful well i have a second follow-up question okay and that question is who did Robert Redford portray in The Old Man and the Gun? Who's an old man? Burt Reynolds? <laughs> <laughs> Robert Redford portrayed Burt Reynolds. Mm. Oh, that's a good guess. Old man. Who's an old man? Um, Grandad? It's not Grandad. I mm. don't think this is a... It's not a household name. Okay. Okay, um, so it's not like a Butch Cassidy type thing. No. no. It's not like Henley Properties or anything. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Wow. You really regretted that one. Mm. It's tasting like bile in your yeah, mouth, that one. It's a bit yuck. Um, uh, yeah, I think this one will be a little bit difficult because there are actually not that many resources on it at all. Ooh. Couldn't find any other podcasts about it. Barely anything on YouTube Fa- about oh it. Oh my God, we are dominating this topic. Or I've fallen for a ruse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I love those topics where you get to and you're like, Wait, is this a real story? (laughs) Have I fallen for another ruse? Have I I been rused? (laughs) Is Robin Williams a real person? (laughs) Well, in the, I believe, 2018 film, The Old Man and the Gun, Robert Redford portrayed a 
an escape artist and bank robber named Forrest Tucker. Oh, great name. Oh. Forrest Tucker, like Bush Tucker. That's the American Bush Tucker, I guess. Yes, exactly right. It's interesting they still use Tucker. Yeah, but they just obviously, (laughs) the type of The most Australian part of that name, they kept. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, "Mm, Bush Tucker doesn't feel right to us. (laughs) You would have thought they would have gone with Forest food, but yeah, no, no they Forrest kept Tucker. Tucker. Good on him. So Forest Tucker. Yes. I mean, I'm instantly going. Forest Fucker. Forest Fucker. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Stra- oh my goodness. Bit of fun there. Bit of fun. That is fun. Jeez, we're having fun early. We're having fun early. <laughs> but I actually have not heard of this person at all. No, have you I've seen the film at all? The Old Man and the Gun. Yeah. Jeez, it sounds fun. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like they've run out of titles. Yeah. Very descriptive. <laughs> th- That's a pitch meeting where they're naming things they're seeing. <laughs> that is. They've Googled a hundred titles that have all been taken. <laughs> well, Do- Die Hard. Okay. Die Hard 2. <laughs> damn it. Damn it. <laughs> the title is actually from an article that was published in The New Yorker, written by journalist David Gran. Um, he wrote this long, incredible piece based on a series of interviews he conducted with Forrest Tucker. Um, and yeah, like I was saying, there's not that many resources about it. This is one of few sources of this story. So a lot of this report draws from that article and, and I highly recommend it because it's a really great read. But the New Yorker's a legit yeah. paper, isn't it? Yeah, and it's based on interviews, several interviews he did with Forrest. And there is info- there's a Wikipedia page. There is information out there. It's just not a oh, lot. And this is just such a handy source because he interviews it. It's straight from the horse's mouth. So... It's, um, He's a horse. Damn it. <laughs> oh, I go Surely for Surely it should have been called the old mare and the gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's interesting. I'll take that. Hmm. Um, just, I think you told us pre- earlier today that this is a topic you've been wanting to do for a while. Yes, I've been wanting to do this topic for a really long time. In fact, I started researching it and reading this article. This article is very, very long. Um, I started reading it and trying to unpack it. Way back when I did the Aretha Franklin report, a couple of months ago, I'd sort of started working on this and went, I don't have enough time to unpack this because I basically had to like take the article, pull it apart, put it in some kind of like chronological order so it was linear and then put it all back together again, sort of build the story. So I didn't have time and that's when I did Aretha Franklin instead and I've been waiting ever since to get a chance to do this one. So I'm very – I am excited because I think it's a pretty – it's a pretty wild story. What are the odds that in 200 and however many episodes we've done, two of the topics have been a man named Forrest? Mm. Maybe it's a more common name than we realise. Yeah, neither of those being Gump either. Yeah, exactly. So Still to come. You'll finish your triptych of Forrest <laughs> reports. Mm. With Gump. The greatest Forrest. But the man and the Gump. I think if anybody is out there, they're currently, you know, expecting a child. Forrest is a great name. Yeah. I should have said the old man and the gump. Yeah. Then that would have made some, <laughs> almost made some sense. <laughs> Still not quite. Still worth saying that. that Still worth, worth saying again. <laughs> worth repeating. Is that another one of your regrets now? No, I just thought I'd, I didn't, I couldn't leave it out there. Yeah. Incomplete. Yeah. But please edit all <laughs> mentions. Actually, just edit everything I've said so far out. Okay. I can't believe how many times you've said that on the show. <laughs> yeah. And don't worry, Dave has not hit record on your microphone. Thank yeah. God. Uh, you wouldn't believe how many times I've thought that <laughs> on this show. Even more times. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is how the journalist David Grant introduces Forrest. Just to give you an idea before I unpack the story. Um, so he says, His voice was gentle with the soft southern lilt. 
After he extended his hand, he made his way slowly over to a wooden table with the help of a walker. I'm sorry we had to meet here, he said, waiting for me to sit first. So what do you want to know, Tucker said. I've been in prison all my life, except for the times I broke out. I was born in 1920 and I was in jail by the time I was 15. I'm 81 now and I'm still in jail, but I've broken out 18 times successfully and 12 times unsuccessfully. There were plenty of other times I planned to escape, but there's no point in me telling you about them. <laughs> He's an interesting guy. Yeah, okay, I'm hooked already. <laughs> That's 30 attempts, many successful. Mm. 18 successful, 12 unsuccessful. Yeah. So some, you, good, you could argue that ratio. any day you don't get out, you're it's an unsuccessful attempt. Right, yeah. Mm. Mm. So yeah, it's a bit of a glass half full. Yeah, we really need to see some terms and conditions of what exactly he means. Yeah, what's that? So Forrest Silver Tucker, S I L V A Silver, fucking great middle name, was born in Miami, Florida, to Leroy and Carmen Tucker on the twenty third of June, nineteen twenty. His father, who was a heavy equipment operator, left when Forrest was six, and while his mother struggled in menial jobs in Miami, Forrest was sent to live with his grandmother who was the tender of the bridge in Stuart. She tended the bridge. Wow, she, she was sort of like the troll. Yeah, she was the, the bridge troll. I'm here tending the bridge. <laughs> if you want to pass, you must answer, answer these me. questions. Something rhymes with bridge. I needed to get a, a three rhyme in earlier than that. Yes. I fucked it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. How do they normally do it? Um, you want Ah, pass is what... You want the <laughs> no, no. Answer me these questions. Oh, three. It's that's me. Quite, yeah, it's, it's me. me. Is the key word. Yeah. Not, not bridge. Not bridge. <laughs> bridge actually doesn't really come into I it. Stumbled at the bridge. Honest. The first bridge. Uh, answer my questions about the bridge, and you'll be ridgy dig. <laughs> oh, that's good. lots of Aussie terms in yeah. this yeah, area yeah. of the world. Obviously, Forrest Tucker. <laughs> so she was the tender of the bridge in Stewart, which is a little over a hundred miles north of Miami. He spent his time building canoes and sailboats out of scrap metal and wood and teaching himself to play the saxophone and the clarinet. Which he made out of scrap metal and wood. (laughs) He was a very crafty kid. Is Stuart spelled correctly? It is U-A-R-T. I do apologise. Make the eyes sick to look at. (laughs) In the spring of 1936, when Forrest was 15 years old, he was incarcerated for the first time for stealing a car in Stuart in Florida. He told police he'd taken the car just for a thrill. His first incarceration would also be his first of many escapes. When the jailer removed his chains, the young Forrest darted out of the prison. (laughs) You just made your first mistake, sir. (laughs) Taken off me chains. Bye. He was found by a police officer several days later, sitting in an orange grove, eating a piece of fruit. I I would assume an orange. orange. I bet bet an orange. Because they are... A plenty yeah. around him mm. in an orange grove. Although this guy is a bit of a character. Maybe he was having Probably a kumquat. Or a pear. Kumquat. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That is good. Or a lemon. <gasps> and people are like, what are you doing? This is much nicer. Just pick one of these. Have an nah. orange. <laughs> nah. No, I won't. I won't be fooled by you. <laughs> My mother, she tended the bridge, you see. <laughs> I don't suffer fools. <laughs> the sheriff decided that Forrest Tucker would be sent to a reform school. He was young and it was his first offence, so maybe a slightly more gentle, education-based institution would benefit him. Well, before they had the chance to send him to the reform school, Forrest broke out once again. In the brief time that he was out after his first escape, 
He'd slipped half a dozen hacksaw blades through the cell window to a group of boys that he'd befriended inside. So that night, after sawing a bar, he slithered out, helped two other boys squeeze through the tiny opening and escaped. He knew the area well, having spent a lot of time exploring as he grew up. Uh, This time, police found him and the others about an hour later, hiding in the river, their noses sticking out just above the water. (laughs) Uh, Bridge life again. Yeah. (laughs) What he needed was a little crop of bamboo. Yes. Fashion it into a... a Snorkel. Thank you. And then carry on down the river. Mm. Don't use your nose like an idiot. I know, because... yeah, the cops are like, oh, there's a bit of bamboo there. There's three noses there. Oh, hang on a second. <laughs> a lot of bubbles coming out of yeah. that bamboo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they go back to the <laughs> They start hacking at it. That was escape number two, Tucker says. A brief one. Um, this is a really great paragraph from that article. It says, like the outlaws he read about in dime novels who were forced into banditry by some perceived injustice... Tucker says that the legend of Forrest Tucker began that morning when he was unfairly sent away for only a minor theft. The story, which he repeated even as a boy, eventually spread throughout the town and over time the details became more ornate, the theft more minor. Morris Walton, who used to play with Tucker as a child, says, My sense is he spent his life in jail for stealing a bicycle and simply trying to escape. If he became bad, it was only because the system made him that way. So he just sort of, I mean, even in that example there, it's like, because he stole a bike. No, he stole a car and admitted it was just for fun. But he sort of, he he always kind of paints himself as the victim moving forward. Like it's just, you know, society made me this way. So it's interesting that he's like, that the story gets told so much that the details all change. And it's like, oh, he was a poor kid. And you're like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Anyway. Yeah, right. So he was sent to a reform school, but he didn't stay for long. Um, not because he was a good boy and released, because he escaped and fled across the state line into Georgia. By his 16th birthday, um, his rap sheet had included charges of breaking and entering and simple larceny. In Georgia, he was sentenced to be placed and confined at labour in the chain gang. Um New inmates were taken to the blacksmith where they had chains and shackles placed around their ankles. And shackle poisoning was very common in chain gang members, which happened when the steel shackles rubbed on the skin, causing infections. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was a very rough and grim time. They just, yeah, anyway, the steel would just, like, eat away at their skin. (laughs) So uh, the guards would give you... The first three days to let your hands break in with calluses, Tucker recalls. But after that, the walking boss would punish you, hit you with his cane or fist. And if you didn't work hard enough, the guards would take you to, uh, take you to the bathroom and tie your hands behind your back and put a pressure hose in your face and hold it there until you'd sputter and couldn't breathe. Like waterboarding, I suppose? But he was a teenager. Luckily for Forrest, he was released after about six months. But not long after he was released, he stole another car and was sentenced to 10 years. Oh, God. Kind of does sound like he, uh, yeah, it's just it's relatively minor crimes and he's he uh, is getting, he's not really getting uh, reformed, is he? They're yeah. just going to chuck him away again. Yeah. And I think it, it obviously doesn't help that he is 
uh, escaping a lot. Yeah. So that then, yeah, when it is a minor crime like stealing a car, it uh, he's then charged. Yeah, convicted I mean, for ten it years. I mean, it feels minor for ten, you know, ten. Exactly. Years. Yeah. Not saying. I mean, if yeah, someone steals your car, I'm not saying you, you wouldn't be happy about it. Yeah. You'd probably be like pretty miffed. Oh great! Oh great! This. How am I? How am I going to get to the milk bar? Here we go. This guy's just come and taken my car, but that's my car. It's mine. I don't. I don't like that. Mm. But does he go away for ten years? Yes. You're telling the story, and that's what you said. Yeah, you're making some good points. Mm. (laughs) 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 I feel like a a darn fool. Wait, hang on. In the um, in the court proceedings, Forrest's lawyer said, we see a man who has been thoroughly cast out by society, marked as a criminal at 17 years old and constantly railroaded through judici- judicial proceedings without the benefit of counsel. Forrest Tucker was becoming an angry young man. That's what his lawyer said. So, yeah, you, you are right there. Um, Forrest believed this as well, saying that the die was cast, which, which yeah, I do kind of get because, like, a lot of people with Criminal records find it hard to be seen as anything else. Um, but he just keeps breaking out, reoffending, going to jail, breaking out. It's just this loop that he's just in for a really long time. So anyway, he's convic- convicted again and sentenced to 10 years and he's paroled at, after around seven years. So by now he's 24 years old and he's already spent a lot of time in you end up being like everyone he knows is just people from inside yeah. prison. So it uh, does feel like it's a bit of a, an escapable loop after a while. Yeah. And I mean, being out of jail would take such a lot to adapt to. So I can, yeah, it's a, I mean. I've seen Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. I know what institutionalized means. Yeah. Come out and you're like, what's that? It's a car. What? What? You know what I mean? I know I'm bagging groceries. Yeah. Bags didn't exist when I went in. Yeah. Now I'm out here and there's all these bags. Yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds ridiculous. You're saying bags <laughs> is what you've called them? Because <laughs> it used to just be one. It was the bag. The bag. Mm. There was one in the world. And we all came and saw it. And then it travelled around. I said, wow, can I have a go at the bag when I put some stuff in <laughs> yeah. it? Well, you wait your turn, young man. Mm-hmm. But you now everyone's got one. Bags. Bags. <laughs> Can't get like, my head around There's like eight or nine of them all travelling around. Yeah. It's hard to, hard to remember which is the original. <laughs> As the kids say, I don't care about history. Do they? Just make more bags. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll end up being disposable mass bags. Mass-producing bags. It's <laughs> like you've forgotten what bags are all about. Yeah, that's not what bags are about. Bags are about having them for a little bit mm. and letting someone else have it mm-hmm. and never seeing it again. Mm-hmm. But remembering mm-hmm. the great time you had with that bag <laughs> and the things you put in it. You can put stuff in a bag? Oh, yeah. Maybe. Well, they didn't realise that at first. <laughs> I just thought, this is a cool shape. Yeah, that, it took, that actually took quite a few decades <laughs> before they realised. Bag technology yeah. caught up with itself. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's sort of like, you know, like mobile phones. They were invented thinking that would be popular with business people and it ended up being like teenagers and stuff used them the most. And they were like, wow, we didn't see that coming. It was the same with bags. They were invented for business people. Mm. But it's those teens. Thinking they love putting stuff in them. Thinking that business people could carry their important documents and then they're like, oh, fuck. They already had briefcases. Yeah. And kids started making memes out of the bags. <laughs> yeah. But then uh, kids and business people... You know, they do have one thing in common. They love doing bags. Yeah, so. yeah, oh, yeah that's right. They do love, <laughs> yeah. they love doing those And also, bags. you know, kids eventually grow up to be business people. Yeah. Yeah, it's the cycle. So Another you get cycle. them young and then you've got business people using yeah. bags. 
Don't yeah. I? Energy. Just another vicious cycle. When you say doing bags, you mean making love to the bags? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> How would you do that, Dave? Just, well, you get a bag and mm-hmm. one thing leads to another. Yeah. You get a bag, you do a bag. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's what our Prime Minister has said in the past. Um, people who knew <laughs> Forrest. Enough <people laughs> no, bag chat there. <laughs> people who knew him say that he was extraordinarily charismatic, that girls flocked around him, and that they also noted a growing reservoir of anger. Reservoir. Wow. I think he had this desperate need to show the world that he was somebody, one of his relatives said. Brutal. At first, Forrest sought work playing the saxophone in big bands around Miami, and he seemed to have harboured ambitions of becoming another Glenn Miller. Nothing came of it, though, and after a brief failed marriage, he put away his sax and got himself a gun. Because <laughs> this story is not called The Man in the Sax. No, uh, sadly. Sax, just another plural of bag. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like a type of bigger bag, mm. generally a sack. You don't have a small sack, do you? No. Only not. big sacks. Yeah, Matt doesn't. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> sack chat. I love sack chat. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the New Yorker article, David Grant makes a really interesting link between the heroes of the time that Forrest was growing up and the choices that he made as an adult. So this is what he writes. He says, when Tucker was growing up during the Great Depression, the appeal of bank robbers fueled by widespread anger over defaults and foreclosures was reaching its zenith. After the FBI gunned down John Dillinger in 1934, droves descended on the scene, mopping up his blood with their clothes. At least 10 Hollywood films were devoted to Dillinger's life. One of them exclaimed, his story is written in bullets, blood and blondes. It's very fun to say. That'd be hard to read. Bullets, blood, and blondes. Like hierog- hieroglyphic sort of stuff, or what? His story is written in bullets, blood. Yeah, that would be hard. Like that's a real. Like you'd need a real, like a, a code cracker on that. Maybe you just need a drone, and you just have a bunch of blonde people uh, yeah. spelling out the story with their bodies. Yeah, yeah. Bullets would be, uh, that would be a lot quicker than bullets because bullets are so little. Yeah, you would need so many. <laughs> you'd need so many and blood. Blood, it's hard to come by. Yeah, you need a lot, hey. Mm. Be a bit spooky too. You go, where'd you get all that blood? It's a spooky message to read. Do you get that from the from the Australian Red Cross? Because they need that. Yeah. For sick people. Oh no. So you just take all that just to write. Just send me a text. Yeah, you can, we've got a we've got a an alphabet that is perfectly fine. Just use that. You can write it down on a piece of paper with ink. What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> we're honestly, already in a shortage. Honestly, this is. It's so silly that I so I don't even want to have to talk about this anymore. Okay, I'll move on. Just go get <laughs> go get some ink. Stop <laughs> wasting bags of blood. <laughs> and there we have it, bags again. Oh, Thank my you. God. They make the world go round. His story is written in bullets, blood, blondes and bags. Bags. And blags, I think it blags. needs to be, yeah. Yep. Anyway, by, by the time that Forrest uh, had put away the sacks and picked up a gun... Accidentally wrote, picked up a gin, picked up a gun. It's the late 40s and most of the legendary legendary stick-up men had already been gunned down. Yet still, on September 22nd, 1950, with a handkerchief tied over his face and a gun drawn in the style of Jesse James, he strode into a bank in Miami and made off with about $1,200. So he just had a a picture of a gun? Yeah, but drawn in the style of Jesse James. well... 
It was very recognisable. So it was like, believable. It's like if you saw a Warhol can of soup. Right. But he's yeah. got to keep it at a set, certain angle, otherwise you'll realise that it doesn't <laughs> have depth. Yeah. It's new technology. Don't come over here. No, stay, stay right there. Look, yeah. keep looking at the gun directly. He's got two pictures, one front-on gun and one side-on gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's how you get away with it. He returned to the very same bank a few days later, this time for the entire safe. He was apprehended as he was trying to crack it open with a blowtorch on the roadside. <laughs> oh, mate, come mate, on. come on, take it to a private residence before no, you no, pull no, out the pull blowy. <laughs> just pull over on the side of the road. So, look, he wasn't the classic Bonnie and Clyde bank robber leading the police on wild chases and evading capture at every turn. In fact, while he was in the <laughs> county jail, he made an important decision that shaped the rest of his life. It didn't matter to me if they gave me five years, ten years, or life, he says. I was an escape artist. Oh. That's what he wants to focus on. So he's actually keen to get caught. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, otherwise how, does he, how escape? does he escape? Yeah. I think he enjoys doing some crime while he's out. Right. But once he's in, he's like, cool, a oh, challenge. Well, I'm out. I'll, sure, I'll dabble in some crime. Oh, I'll rob a bank. Um, but when he's in, he's like, now this is where I really shine. Yeah. I don't want to just be out. Mm. I want to be getting out. Yes, I'm always getting out. I'm only in the. I'm only happy when I'm in the act of getting out. <laughs> I don't like being in. I don't like being out. I mm. like one leg out the out through <laughs> the window. Yeah, that's when I'm happy. Straddling, I yes. like straddling the bars. Yes, so should have been a gymnast. Yeah, should have been. He should have been a gymnast. Straddle the bars. Oh, he could have straddled. Yeah, mm. uh, you know the uh, parallel bars, God. the uneven bars. Is that oh, one yeah. of them? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Trapezist. He could have been a trapezist. That uh. doesn't have anything to do with bars or straddling, but he could have done it. <laughs> I'm just listing options. Yeah, there's so many other options. There's he no would, bar on the what, trapeze. What are you, some sort of careers counsellor? Well, and it, I just <laughs> think he. I think he, there's other options out Your there. Your answer's always trapeze. <laughs> yeah, you do go to trapeze a lot. I'd like mm. to be a lawyer. No, mate. Have no. you thought about trapeze? You, yeah, there's an exciting new world of trapeze opening yeah. up. Wow. Get in early. <laughs> Because, yeah, it's about to boom. <laughs> trapeze is going to be big. <laughs> he's being paid off by big trapeze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm talking really big. He's got shares in trapeze leotards. Yeah. <laughs> I really need to start moving this. some units. <laughs> I need this. My wife's going to kill me. <laughs> I've put everything into this. Um, so Forrest would search the jail for what he called a weak spot. It seems like he didn't really find one. A couple of months later around Christmas... <laughs> <laughs> he began to moan in pain. He was rushed to hospital and his appendix was removed. While he was in recovery, he started to work on his shackles. Over right. the years, he taught himself how to pick locks using a bunch of things. Pen, a paper clip, a piece of wire, nail clippers, a watch spring. A key. <laughs> <laughs> and after a few minutes, he walked out unnoticed. Jeez, his, uh, escaping was so much in his DNA that even his appendix did it. Well, <laughs> yeah, he says his appendix was a small price to pay. <laughs> and d- did he fake it or? Yeah. So they amazing. just took out his appendix and he was like, well, <laughs> now I'm a little bit lighter. <laughs> yeah, I can squeeze through this, these Easy. bars. <laughs> this time he, ventu- he ventured a little further than just the next state over. In fact, he went to the other side of the country, making his way over to California. He went on a spree of robberies, wearing bright checkered suits and driving away in flamboyant getaway cars. He started to look for a partner, hoping two people could mean double the amount of money. Great. But, but I mean... But then you halve Exactly. So you're <laughs> sticking with the same amount of money, actually. 
<laughs> and you've got to pay for more checkered Surely, suits. Surely, if you were hoping it would be three times the amount of money, then there's a net gain. But yeah. yeah. Double, that's poor maths. You are breaking even on your yeah. old. It's not, it's not the economies of scale you're after. Yeah. But I do love that he's wearing bright clothes, basically going, can't catch me. Yeah, I know. And I just want to go back in. And really flashy cars that he's stealing, but like they're very noticeable. He's always, he's never picking a town, town Volkswagen. Never. It's always bright orange Corvette. Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> Still a Volkswagen. Yeah, got to say, they yeah. were big. Not going time. above his station. <laughs> so he found ex-con Richard Bellew described as tall, a tall, handsome thief with a high IQ. Oh, complete package in my Oh my mind. goodness, yeah. It's Absolutely. A triple threat. Tall, thief, high IQ. Yes, please. Mm, thank you very much. You didn't even count handsome in that. That's just cherry on top oh, for you. Oh, yeah, that's his bonus. <laughs> it's not his value, please. No. That's right. His value his is, is if he's a thief <laughs> and how tall he is. <laughs> how tall are we talking? <laughs> um, so the two began to hit bank after bank for two years. Wow. Just cannot get caught. Yeah. He'd be getting so frustrated. <laughs> he's like, please take me in. From the uh, from the article, it says they dominated the local headlines, often preempting coverage of the 1952 presidential election and the McCarthy hearings. They were big news, but they just kept evading capture. More than two years after he escaped from hospital, Forrest Tucker was once again caught in March of 1953. When FBI agents searched his place of residence, they found a blonde woman named Shirley there who had never heard of Forrest Tucker. She said she lived there with her husband, a successful songwriter, who worked in the city and had just bought this apartment to make room for their five-month-old son. Shirley told police her husband's name was Richard Bellew. But when she was shown a picture of Forrest Tucker, she burst into tears. So he was going by his, I suppose, ex-partner's name or maybe his partner's name. But his job was a, he said he was a songwriter. He's a songwriter. Because yeah. he was a good muso. But, but he's on the cover of the newspaper every week and she still doesn't notice. Yeah. Amazing. Awkwardly, they had named their son Richard Bellew Jr. Uh. <laughs> had he agreed to that? Wouldn't you just steer her away from that? Just be like, oh, just call him anything else. Yeah. Forrest, Let's name for him example. Greg or something. Yeah. What do you reckon about that? You want to name him Greg? It's a good name, isn't it? <laughs> but they nah, didn't. Dick Bell, that's good. Dick yeah. Bellew. So he was convicted, and seeing as they were in San Francisco, he was off to Alcatraz. Surrounded by the freezing San Francisco Bay and its deadly currents, it was built to be escape-proof, which is obviously a real slap in the face to someone who considered themselves an escape artist. Mm. Or is it a challenge? Yeah, exactly. A big challenge. Dave, you didn't. Did you do an episode about uh, escaping from Alcatraz? Yeah, that's right, I did. Mm. Three men on a boat. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think they made it out of rain jackets. So Yeah, right. Well, Forrest arrived at Alcatraz on September 3rd, 1953. He was 33 years old by this time. In his interview, he said there was only 1,576 people who ever went there. I was number 1,047. <laughs> he knows. He was given a blue chambray shirt with his number stamped on it and a pair of trousers, as well as a cap, a peacoat, a bathrobe, three pairs of socks, two handkerchiefs, a pair of shoes and a raincoat. His cell was so narrow that he could reach out and touch both sides at the same time. And he said it was so cold in the cell block you had to sleep with your coat and hat to stay warm. Doesn't seem like the nicest place. Well, that, that, doesn't, that sounds like a shit place. Yeah. I would not, would not recommend. No, agreed. 
A few weeks after his arrival at Alcatraz, he was visited by his wife, Shirley. Um, it was hard to talk, he recalls. We had to look at each other through a piece of glass. She told me she had to make a life for herself. I said, the best thing you can do is make a life for you and our son. I told her I won't bother you no matter what, no matter how much I want to. I won't ring your phone. A few months later, he received notice that their marriage had been annulled. Aww. So brave of him. <laughs> I won't. I won't do anything. As much as I probably, I definitely want to. I won't. So... Despite Alcatraz being built to be escape-proof, that doesn't mean Forrest Tucker wasn't going to try. At Alcatraz, he met fellow inmate Teddy Green, which David Grant describes as an escape artist and bank robber who had once dressed as a priest to elude the police and had broken out of the state penitentiary by shipping himself out in a box of rags. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Because then you can also take some rags. Exactly, with you. Free, you rags. free rags. Be comf- comfortable in the box oh, too. Oh, that would be a, a sweet comfort. The only ride. thing would be better if it was a bag of rags. Yeah, oh, rag bag, rag yeah. bag. <laughs> like in every dad's shed. <laughs> every dad has a rag bag. <laughs> Is this one of those things where you've got a specific memory of your dad and you're extrapolating it to all dads? There is a definitely a pile of rags in my dad's shed. <laughs> And like, there always has been. You should tell them about Grab a bags. rag. Grab a rag. Are they in a tub or are they in a bag? Where are the rags? <laughs> oh, I've got questions for Dad now. Um, so Forrest and his new friend Teddy, along with another inmate, started to smuggle tools from their prison jobs. They carved holes in their toilet bowls and tucked the tools inside, putting putty over them to sort of hide them. At night, they used the tools to tunnel through the floor, planning to get out through the basement. Amazing. Yeah. They planted pieces of steel wool on other prisoners to set off the metal detectors so that the guards assumed that the metal detectors were broken and therefore not be suspicious of them who were walking through with smuggled That's items. That's so smart. That is pretty clever. And they weren't, they also were like, ev- everyone's itchy all of a sudden as well, but yeah, yeah. anyway. So weird, don't worry about either of those things, yeah. I guess. I mean, this guy's got steel wool in his pocket. <laughs> I don't know about that. He's, he's wearing a steel wool. Wig. And I don't it, know if that could be it. He's not convincing, but I don't want to say anything because he's probably a bit shy about it. Yeah, just in case. I don't want to be that guy. It's who's not like, a very convincing wig, mate. Nice toupee, dickhead. You know, I want to say it, but I won't. Yeah, so I'll compliment him. Hey, hey, you're looking good, Silver Fox. Hey, yeah, good on you. God, he looks terrible. He looks. That is obviously not real hair. <laughs> <laughs> he's obviously just got steel wool on his head. Still got the pink bits from that home <laughs> brand style. <laughs> How do we tell him? How I do don't know. I don't think we can. I mean, he's already in prison. Do you want to shit on him while he's down? <laughs> he probably thinks he looks like Mr. Sheffield, but he does not. <laughs> we don't have mirrors in their cells. He doesn't know. <laughs> Let him believe. Um, unfortunately for Forrest and his gang, there was a rat in solitary. Oh, no. Not, oh. A, <laughs> not an actual rat. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. There probably was an actual yeah, rat Yeah, there well. definitely probably was actually, yeah. And that rat, about a snitch. <laughs> that rat told a guard that maybe they should do a search of the toilets. Oh. I would assume sort of like, I'll give you information if you let me the fuck out of here. That does sound like a prank though, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Check the toilets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And yeah. then you get there and there's a nasty oh, shit in there. Oh, got it. <laughs> Check it. <laughs> Check inside that poop. Have a look. Have a look. <laughs> now keep digging. Keep Maybe digging. it's under the poo. Keep yeah. going. Keep. It's oh, just oh, another no. piece of steel wool. <laughs> Got oh, worth it, <laughs> worth it. Well, it was very painful, but worth yeah. it. Yeah, I was hungry, all right? <laughs> a full-blown search was launched and the warden 
reported their findings as a blowtorch, a bar spreader, a pair of side uh, side cutters, a brace, a screwdriver, and one or two pieces of wire and a piece of carborundum stone. Bar spreader sounds handy. Yeah, that sounds very specific. I've never heard of anyone using them in a prison escape before. Because, like, I wouldn't let them into my prisons. Like, why are you using a nail file if there's a bar spreader just, just over there? Just use the bar spreader. <laughs> no. I'm not, I'm not a hack. I want to do it properly. Mm. Bar spreader. I don't take the easy way <laughs> Kids out. Kids today. <laughs> so all three inmates were labelled as dangerous escape risks and sent to the hole. It seemed like Forrest accepted that he probably wasn't going to be able to break out of this prison. So he decided to work on getting out another way. He started to study the law and writing letters to the court asking for an appeal. He wrote a lot of letters and somehow managed to get a hearing in November of 1956. So the night before his court appearance, he complained of pain in his kidney and was rushed to hospital. Guards were aware of his escape history and they were stationed at every door. And when no one was looking, he snapped a pencil and stabbed himself in the ankle, which meant that to treat that injury, his ankle shackles had to be removed. Okay. He was still handcuffed, of course. And as they wheeled him on a gurney to get an x-ray, he leapt up, overpowered two guards and ran out the door. He was, of course, apprehended a few hours later, still in his hospital gown and handcuffs. (laughs) I think this time he was in a (laughs) cornfield. Eating a lemon. Yeah. (laughs) Always a lemon with this guy. It's like his calling card. It was the night before a hearing to get out. Yeah. So he might have been... He might have been... Yeah, or at least the sentence... Reduced or... Yeah, he could have been let out. I imagine that wouldn't do him any favours though. Breaking yeah. out? In probably his, not. For his hearing? Yeah. Mm. So I, I'm guessing he didn't make it to his hearing. Yeah. Um, the brief escape achieved a couple of things though. Firstly, it established his reputation as an escape artist. And secondly, it got him tried and convicted all over again. <laughs> I'm not sure how long he was in jail for this time or when he was released. There's a little bit of a gap in the story here. I would assume a lot of the same, like robberies, getting away with it for a while, eventually getting caught, etc. In fact, it was 23 years later in 1979 that he made his greatest escape ever. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. (laughs) Cha-ching! You can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI 
Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Can I quickly just interrupt you there, Jess, to ask you to look at the calendar and tell me what month is it? Hmm, I believe it's November. Exactly, which means we can officially start watching Christmas movies. Yes, I, I put my tree up early. I start in, in October, but yeah, we can definitely do it now. But officially. Yeah. Oh, Fish. Yeah. Socially exactly. acceptable to start yes. doing it now. Mm-hmm. Remember, remember, start watching Christmas movies in November. That's exactly. What but what if you get to Netflix and discover your favourite Christmas movie isn't available? <gasps> well, I put it in the bin. No. Get it out of the bin. And get ready to have your mind blown. Whoa. Okay. Because you can use ExpressVPN to watch any Netflix library in, wait for it, the world. Wait, what? Dave, are you saying I could watch Netflix from Canada? Yes, you could. What? <laughs> Absolutely uh, possible. Dave, is it, this is surely can't be true for any anything other than Netflix. Maybe you found a little Netflix loophole, but I'm assuming it doesn't work for stuff like Disney Plus, Hulu, BBC, iPlay, I name it. <laughs> you name it. It does work, mate. It does. What? That's quite amazing. What you do, Matt, is you use ExpressVPN to control where you want sites to think you're located, which means you can choose from almost 100 countries. Just imagine all the Netflix libraries you can explore. Mm. For example, Jess, you mentioned Canada. Well, I've been watching a lot of Christmas movies lately. And guess what? What? Just last week, I watched Four Christmases on the Canadian Netflix. Oh, my God. Four Christmases, eh? Yeah. (laughs) Now, there are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason that I use ExpressVPN to watch movies and shows is because it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering, and you can always stream in HD because I don't like to wear my glasses, so I need it to be in high def. Yeah. Dave, you were talking about Canadian Netflix. Well... On Canadian Netflix, I watch the Office UK Christmas special. <laughs> it's not just films, it's also TV shows. It's actually very funny, that one. That's really, really That's fun. really good. And actually, Both you've just reminded me that I watched South Park's Mr. Hanky the Christmas Poo on UK Netflix. Oh, man. Also a good one, that <laughs> one. Well, if you want to uh, follow in our footsteps, if you visit our special link right now, expressvpn.com slash do go on, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. What you'll be doing is supporting the show, watching what you want, and getting your holiday fix all at the same time by visiting expressvpn.com slash do go on. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash do go on. So, it's 1979. His greatest escape ever. Whoa. Gave that little bit of sizzle before. I enjoyed that sizzle. So he's an inmate at San Quentin, a maximum security facility that jutted out into the ocean and was known among cons as the Gladiator School. No idea why. <laughs> well, that's where Vulcan and uh, Delta and oh, a few yeah. of the others. Tower. Train, Tower was there <laughs> from Australian Gladiator <laughs> from the mid-90s or whenever. Oh, man. Vulcan was like the coolest Vulcan guy. was my favourite, but he was everyone's favourite. No, and Tau- Delta was my other favourite. Tower was my favourite. How oh. did that show work? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was normal people like you and I going up against... Yes. Battling against athletes. I think it was it was more like, you know, nor, not normal people like you and I, like 
fitness yeah, okay. fanatic. So you're right. It's sort of like modern. Uh, uh, the modern day version would be Ninja Warriors. Ninja Warriors. Yeah. Those kind of people versus Vulcan. God, I love to watch that show. Yeah, but it, it was sillier than Ninja yeah. Warriors somehow. <laughs> now Ninja Warriors, yeah, it takes itself seriously. Right, and I don't think Gladiator was too serious. It had Mike Whitney ex. Australian cricketer in a ref shirt, black and white stripes. Was he a cricketer? Yeah. I only know him as a TV host. As the host of Who Dares Wins. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, there you go. I think the story goes that um, there was an Australian cricket tour of England and they were short a player and Mike Whitney was over there playing county cricket. So, and you know, you couldn't just get another player over. So they got him to play and he played pretty well. I think I wow. think that's true. That's, that's how he got story. his baggy green. I think so. <laughs> I wow. should double check that. Don't at me. No, or at I, me. Let me know. I'm, I just want to choose to believe it. Okay, great. Me too. Something uh, my dad always says is never let the truth ruin a good story. Oh, yeah, big time. It didn't always sit well with me when I was studying journalism, but it works yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time. San Quentin is very famous. Like Metallica yes. played there. Like one of their film clips a while back was filmed at the San Quentin. Maybe oh, wow. did Johnny Cash do an album there as well? As well as that wasn't San Quentin. He did it? Folsom, but I think he also did San oh, Quentin. Oh yeah, okay. I was definitely thinking Folsom. And it's known as the Gladiator School. Yes. So it's a it's a Russell Crowe uh, trod the boards. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's a um, it's a known tough place. So with the help of two other inmates, John Waller and William McGurk. Fuck, that's a good name. Oh, wow. A, I love McGurk. I grew McGurk. up with some McGurks out in Charlton. That's great. Such a good name. I mean, I've read it a bunch of times while writing this report, but I've never said it out loud. <laughs> John Waller, William McGurk. William McGurk. You oh. can put anything at the front of a Sounds McGurk. Sounds like a Scottish great. person doing an impression of a chicken. <laughs> McGurk! <laughs> that's anyone doing a chicken, to be fair. So, with the help of those two, they began to collect scraps of wood and laminate which they cut into small pieces and hid under tarp. Oh, I thought they were going to build a billy cart. <laughs> From the electrical shop, they managed to take two six-foot poles and several buckets. How do you smuggle out a six-foot <laughs> pole, let alone two of them? Well, you get tower from gladiators. <laughs> Strap it to his shin. He's huge. He's massive. In the furniture workshop, they got plastic dust covers, paint and tape, which they stored in boxes labelled office supplies. Still be weird to walk past a cell and be like, why do you have office supplies? <laughs> so, why do you need admin tools? Nothing but here, but white out and manila folders. <laughs> Keep walking, boys. Doing a bit of life admin. Doing my taxes. That's Thanks really very much. As long as you put it in a boring box that don't No one will look. Nothing sus. It just says that on Nothing it. Nothing sus. All normal things that we're allowed to have. Don't look. After several months of prep on August the 9th, Forrest signalled to his buddies that it was go time. While they kept watch, Forrest drew from his childhood experience of making boats and used the scrap pieces to build a 14-foot kayak. (laughs) I mean, before he was in a prison cell where he could touch the walls on either side of him. He's obviously in a slightly bigger room this time. This is in like I think he's in like a um in one of the workshops. Gotcha. Which I would assume is bigger than a cell. But yeah, so they're just sort of keeping watch. No, uh, there's definitely parts of this story that make no sense, but there's not enough information for me to really get to the bottom of it. So we kind of have to go with the story. So he builds a 14-foot kayak. He had just enough paint for one side of the boat, the side that would face the guard towers. And as the others urged him to hurry, he stenciled on it, rub-a-dub-dub. So he's also naming the boat. They're like, please, we need to go. Let's go. And he's like, hang on. Okay. 
What? So he only painted one side and it wasn't camouflage or something. It was just like, if they see us, we really need to put on a show. Yeah. Well, they also had disguises ready to go. They had sailor hats and sweatshirts painted bright orange with the the logo of the local yacht club. So that if they're sailing past, they just look like any other boats going past all the time. Smart. When the guard wasn't looking, they put the boat in the water and set out. Strong winds and massive swells made it a difficult journey. But Waller later said, the boat didn't leak a drop. We could have paddled to Australia. It was those damn waves over the side. When we finally reached the edge of the, of the property at Kew, the son of the bitch sank. <laughs> they were spotted by a guard in one of the watchtowers. Luckily, he wasn't yet aware that three prisoners had escaped and he called out to see if they needed help. <laughs> they said they were fine. And McGurk, thinking quickly, held up his wrist and yelled, we just lost a couple of oars, but my Timex is still running. And they all had a good laugh. <laughs> and they got away. <laughs> That's great. Oh, he's that, a, that he's guard's in trouble, isn't he? <laughs> he's just having a laugh with them. That is quick thinking. I, I reckon he did more than level two improv. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's yeah. quick. Yeah, that's some good stuff. Well, I mean, this is a... You know, maximum security, but also maximum activity prison. Maximum security, maximum activity, maximum laughs. Mm, exactly right. <laughs> maximus Decimus Meridius. <laughs> That's Russell Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> May I also remind you, this is in 1979, so Forrest is 59 years old at this point. He looks like he's a member of the Yacht Club, so that's yeah. good. Yeah, that's true. You'd think he'd be recognisable to all guards. Surely. Hey, there's one guy here who's escaped... 20 times yeah. or something. We should keep, keep an eye on, on him. him. Yeah, Roger that. Yeah, you kind of look like that guy who escapes all the time. Anyway, don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Okay. You can't hear me because I'm screaming at you over yeah. water. But no, I get this a lot. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm all good. I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not him. My Timex. <laughs> yeah, no, you mentioned that. Yeah. Um. So obviously it was Little discovered that the three men had escaped. John Waller and William McGurk were captured within a year. But Forrest Tucker had got away for now. Oh. So while there was a statewide manhunt in California, police in Texas and Oklahoma had reports of a strange series of holdups, all with the same MO. Three or four men would stroll into a grocery store or a bank, flash a gun, demand the money, and speed away in a stolen car. Pretty stock standard, except that all witnesses noted that they were old men and one of them was wearing a hearing aid. Authorities dubbed them the Over the Hill Gang. That was when I was a really good robber, Forrest tells uh, David Grant. He's careful not to admit any particular crime or implicate any of his living partners. Because with the crimes, he's like, I don't know if they still have jurisdiction. With the people he was working with, he's like, some of them are still out there. I was realising this recently that um, being in your 50s not that long ago meant you were really old. I watched the first episode of The Crown. And um, Margaret Thatcher was just becoming the Prime Minister. And I'm like, how was she? She only died recently. How was she ancient yeah. in the 70s or whenever she got into um, to, uh, Prime Ministership? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I looked it up and, yeah, she was, uh, she was early 50s at that point. She just was – just people just got old quicker in yeah. the olden days. 50-something now. Is so young. But back then it was like you were, you know, you had your that sort of classic nana hair yeah. like Margaret Thatcher had because you had that sort of machine that went on it and put it into a 
Steel wool. <laughs> Steel wool machine. <laughs> yep. And yeah, yeah. I think people just, you know, joined bowls clubs and stuff younger. Well, they didn't have teeth. the internet. Right. That was it. And they didn't, it seems like they didn't use sunscreen. Uh, so they did age <laughs> right. poorly. They didn't realise, yeah, they didn't know about the ozone layer. But yeah, with less to do, I think you do kind of go, well, I've been to school, I've gotten married, I've had my children, time to just give up. And then, yeah, maybe back back then, maybe you're Sorry, also grandma. able to um, retire at a reasonable age. So yeah. you just, you moved into gram- grandpa sort of fashion earlier. Yeah. And I guess you're having kids earlier, which probably then means your grandparents slightly right. younger as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. And also, I mean... Age expectancy was lower. Yeah. And when you're young, anybody... Yes. Yeah, any old. adult yeah. is anxious. That's probably the main thing. I've yeah. just tricked myself into thinking people who seemed old then was because I was younger. Yeah. But it is funny that he's 60 and they're like, this is old yeah, man. Yeah, over the hill. That's why I'm like, that doesn't make sense. And I'm like, oh... Maybe maybe that's that's the Margaret Thatcher things. People seemed older back then yeah. when they were younger. But to be fair, like if you imagine a stereotypical bank robber, you're yeah. not probably imagining someone in their sixties with a hearing aid. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I which guess I'll so. explain in a sec anyway. Yeah, you'd think it'd be you'd uh, that would be hidden under a balaclava anyway. It sounds like they're going in faces out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Maybe it's a disguise. But he also I forget he loves getting caught. He just. He's like, well, fun bit's over. Now I've got to go through the work of getting caught again. Yeah, so he starts leaving his business card mm-hmm. at the scene of the crime. And he's, it's going to happen less and less because he's gotten so good at it, apparently. Oh, he's like, he says by the age of 60, he'd mastered the art of the hold-up. Right. Took, it, took, him, took his time. He did yeah. his 10,000 hours. Yeah, but he got there. You know, it's flying hours. Um, in one of the sessions with David Gran, Forrest even taught David how to rob a bank. This is directly from the article... Um, I just think it's very unique to get information like this directly from the source. So he says, first of all, you want a, you want a place near the highway, he says, putting on his bifocals, his eyes blinking as if he were imagining a particular layout. Then you need to case it. You can't just storm in. You need to size it up, know it like your own home. In the old days, the stick-up men were like cowboys, he continued. They'd go in just shooting, yelling for everyone to lie down. But to me, violence is the first sign of an amateur. <laughs> The best hold-up men, in his view, were like stage actors, able to hold a room with the sheer force of their personality. Some even wore makeup and practised getting into character. There's an art to robbing a bank if you do it right, Tucker said. Whereas, whereas he once cultivated a flamboyant image, he later developed, he said, a more subtle, natural style. Okay, the tools he pressed on. Ideally, he said, you need nail polish or superglue to cover your fingertips. You can wear gloves, but in warmer climates, they only draw attention. You need a glass cutter, a holster, a canvas bag, big enough for the dough, and a gun. (laughs) He said the gun was just a prop, but essential to any operation. There was one other thing, he said after a pause. It was the key to the success of the Over the Hill Gang and what he still called the Forrest Tucker trademark. The hearing aid. It was actually a police scanner, he said, which he wired through his shirt. That way he'd know if any silent alarms had been triggered. Brilliant. Yeah. That's so good. Pretty clever. Love it. And I love how he sees it as showbiz. Yeah. <laughs> like and he sees it as art. And I'm picturing him with tap shoes on. I know. <laughs> tapping his way through the stores. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> he, he continues. He, said, um, he removed a napkin from his pocket and wiped the sweat from his forehead. Once you've got your cool car parked nearby, and I don't, I don't think he means like fully sick. Um, 
You've got your radio, your hands are covered with gloves or superglue, you walk in. Go right up to the manager, say, sit down. Never pull the gun, just flash it. Tell him calmly you're here to rob the bank and it better go off without a hitch. Don't run from the bank unless you're being shot at because it only shows something's going on. Just walk to the hot car real calm, then drive to the cool car. Rev it up and you're gone. (laughs) He just goes, he just like, he just gives so much detail and it's a masterclass. Yeah, the way he talks about <laughs> it, like it's an art form. Oh, he could he could sell that. Yeah. Yes. I saw one the other day of a choreographer. Oh yeah. And I'm like, you can't teach me how to be a choreographer. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> Give me something anyone can the do. The five simple steps to become a choreographer. Learn to dance. That's step number one. Okay. <laughs> Learn every type of demand. dance. You know, okay, there's yep. a lot of Cory work going at the moment. <laughs> That's right. We're in a recession. Of course there's choreography work. <laughs> it's time to retra- retrain into the booming industries. A two, three, four. <laughs> well, yeah, step two is learn to count, so I'm fucked. Um, John Hunt, who's a, sur- a surgeon, a sergeant on the Austin Police Force, was assigned to investigate these holdups. They were the most professional, successful robbers that I'd ever encountered in all my years on the force, he said. They had more experience in robbery than we had in catching them. One thing that was a bit perplexing was that with the changes and progress to high-tech security, there were less and less traditional robberies happening in banks. The -the over-the-hill gangs seemed to defy not just their age but their era. In a one-year span, the -the over-the-hill gang was suspected in at least 60 robberies in Oklahoma and Texas, 20 in the Dallas-Fort Worth area alone. The gang was also believed to be responsible for holdups in New Mexico, Arizona, and Louisiana. Wow, sounds like you must be ba- making pretty good money. It's a full-time job at this point. Yeah. Wow, is he getting super? <laughs> oh, you better have to say, put some of those outside for super. Yeah. Hey, you're putting aside 20% for tax? Yeah, my Because if you're not, oh boy. That, that maybe that's what choreogra- choreographers should retrain as. Accountants? No. Uh, bank robbers. <laughs> bank robbers. <laughs> no. Accountants. We need no, more honestly, of them. Honestly, if you're in the arts, it's uh, times are tough. You need to start doing. You got to retrain. As start eating the rich. <laughs> 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 and that takes training. It does. But with our Take simple ten-week course, <laughs> we'll teach you how to eat the rich. Yeah, from we're gonna start entrees to mains. <laughs> we're gonna start with our good friend Dave Warnicky here. Oh come on! <laughs> <laughs> Little sautéed Warnicky. Oh. Yum yum. <laughs> I think you'd be a bit grisly, I reckon, Dave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in fact, the police were at such a loss that in December of 1980, Hunt and 40 other law enforcement officers from at least three states held a conference in Dallas to figure out how to stop them. <laughs> wow. The police don't know what to do. It's amazing. Like, they talk about it sometimes that jails are just training centres for crime. Sounds like they passed with flying colours. He, they did their hours and now are just masters of it. Yeah, and keeps getting away. Amazing. Meanwhile, Forrest is in his prime, seems to be unable to stop. He estimates that in his career he'd stolen several million dollars and a fleet of sports cars and used an array of aliases including Robert Tuck M- McDougal, <laughs> Bob Stone, Russell Johns, Ralph Pruitt, Forrest Brown, J.C. Tucker and Ricky Tucker. Oh, man, he's 
he, he used his own name almost a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it, it sounds like a few times he was like, what's your name? Forrest Bruce. <laughs> Forrest Brown. <laughs> <laughs> so I was wearing brown shoes, thank God. Uh. Forrest Brown. <laughs> brown shoe man. <laughs> Ladder. And then other times he started well and then he forgot and said Tucker at the end again. Robert Tuck McDougal. <laughs> yeah, that one is totally... <laughs> it's too long. Tuck <laughs> McDougal. It's too silly. <laughs> Ralph Pruitt. Hello, Pru- I'm Ralph Pruitt. 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 Amazing. Forrest Ralph Brown. Pruitt from Stuart. J.C. Tucker. What's the J.C. for? We're starting with Jay. We're starting with Jay. Jesus. Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. (laughs) Jesus Christ, Tucker. (laughs) That's why I call myself JC. (laughs) It's a bit conspicuous otherwise. (laughs) Anyway, his luck would have to run out eventually. All good things must come to an end. (laughs) We're not quite there yet, but we're. Even a spree. Mm. In the spring of 83, he embarked on his most audacious heist yet. Robbing a high security bank in Massachusetts in broad daylight, by pretending that he and his men were guards making a routine pickup in an armored car—a <laughs> classic move. Love that. Love it. On March seventh, moments before the armored car was scheduled to arrive, they put on makeup and mustaches. <laughs> oh, mustaches! <laughs> Forrest's wig had shrunk in oh, a recent snowstorm. <laughs> is that a, is that another alias, Forrest Wig? Forrest Wig. <laughs> Sorry, it had shrunk. Yeah, his wig had shrunk in the cold. <laughs> How much? Like, I don't know. T- to the point that it was like the size of like... <laughs> he looked like Bert. He <laughs> <laughs> like Bert Oh, Manny. the Bert. That's a good haircut. That is a good haircut. <laughs> don't let it, anybody tell you otherwise. You know, Bert, the puppet for Bert actually started off with an afro, but went through a snowstorm. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got that little tuft he's got on a little the top. Tuft. So rather than postpone the operation, they decided to just go without it. Which might be a big mistake. Okay. So this is, again, from that article. It sort of breaks it down a little bit. The teller buzzed them in. Just as they entered the vault, according to the police report, the manager noticed the dark moustache on one of the man, on one, on one man and the white moustache on the other man were not real. <laughs> one of the guards patted his gun and said, this is a hold-up. Forrest locked the manager and two tellers inside the vault and escaped with more than $430,000. But when the police showed the tellers a series of mugshots, they identified for the first time the leader of the Over the Hill gang as the same man who had broken out of San Quentin in a homemade kayak three years earlier. Wow. That's an amazing stretch. Yeah. And they've never drawn their guns. They're just tapping it. Yep, they just show their guns. Nobody's injured. Nobody's hurt. I mean, injured and hurt, same thing. Nobody's injured or killed or anything. Um, Physically. Yeah. Probably, oh, a lot of people have uh, been emotionally traumatised. Yes, absolutely. I'll yeah, never yeah. trust someone in a fake moustache again. Not by any means am I, uh, am I <laughs> saying this is a good thing. I just think it's a pretty wild story. Oh, yeah, big time. So with the FBI and local police looking for him, Forrest took off to Florida to hide for a while. He reconnected there with his old prison buddy, Teddy Green, and one morning was pulling into Green's garage when a man jumped in front of his car yelling, FBI, you're under arrest. More and more agents appeared and he was surrounded. They're like jumping out of bushes and he's, he's surrounded. 
Although he insists he didn't have a gun, several officers said they saw one and gunfire erupted in the garage. Forrest was hit three times, one in each arm and one in the leg, yet somehow managed to get out of the car and run into the street. A woman was driving past with her two kids and slowed down, thinking this man had been hit by a car and needed help. He got into the car. She soon realised her mistake when she saw police officers in the rearview mirror. But he grabbed the wheel and snapped, I have a gun, now drive. They didn't drive for very long, like under a kilometre, and they veered down a dead-end street. He got out of the car and passed out. He was captured, and like many of the stick-up men he'd grown up reading about, his reputation was that of a of an outlaw. Like the story was big and people kind of were rooting for him. Like the rub-a-dub-dub boat had been donated to the local yacht club and the Children's Hospital Medical Centre in Oakland requested that Forrest Tucker be allowed to serve as the Grand Marshal for its upcoming bathtub regatta. So people are kind of, yeah, I don't know, it's that sort of weird thing that happens with outlaws sometimes where you kind of, I don't know, people yeah, are rooting people root for, for them. them. Yeah, yeah. But, and I think, I was thinking about what we were talking about before about traumatising people. I think there'd be a big difference between someone who never draws the gun and just calmly says, this is a stick up, I have a gun, but yeah. w- as opposed to someone who's holding one at you. Yeah, true. Yelling and you're going, I could be shot at any second. You're never thinking that if they've just got it sitting in the yeah. house. They've just alluded to the fact that there's a gun. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Um, so FBI officers turn up at his home in a fancy retirement community in Lauderhill, Florida, and a very familiar conversation happens. An elegant woman in her 50s answered the door. When they asked her about Forrest Tucker, she said she'd never heard of the man. She was married to Bob Callahan, successful stockbroker whom she'd met shortly after her first husband died. When the agents explained that Bob Callahan was really Forrest Tucker, a man who'd broken out of jail four years earlier, she looked at them in tears again. This has happened. Wow. How? How does that happen? Anyway, so while awaiting trial in Miami, Forrest tried to break out of jail by removing a bar in his cell and climbing onto the roof with a homemade grappling hook. (laughs) But something was different this time. I mean, he was old by now, but despite the advice of her family and friends, his wife promised to stay with him if he went straight. If he served his time, didn't escape, didn't commit any more crimes, she would wait for him and she would stay with him. And he agreed. I told her that from then on I'd only look at ways to escape, he says, adding she's one in a million. So he returned to San Quentin, where he'd escaped from a few years earlier, and he didn't make any attempts to escape. He was even in hospital for a quadruple bypass in 1986, and we know he loves a hospital escape, but he didn't. He did, however, have another crack at writing a bunch of letters to the court begging for an appeal. With his failing health and old age, he got lucky and his sentence was reduced by half. He wrote a note to the judge saying, this is to thank you. It's the first break I ever got in my life. I won't need another one. You know, like we were mentioning before, you know, growing up, um, like being incarcerated from such a young age, you kind of... I don't know, like typecast for want of a better word. So he's sort of like, thank you for actually giving me a break. He does see it as, as showbiz, so typecast yeah. feels right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so to occupy his time, he poured all of his energy into documenting his life story, thinking it would make for a great Hollywood film. He devoted 261 pages to Alcatraz, The True Story, 
The and musical. <laughs> and his second work was titled The Can Opener. That was a bit of a departure. That yeah, was wow. Yeah. Imagine the life of a can opener. <laughs> <laughs> what are they thinking? What are they doing? Two hundred and sixty-one pages later, <laughs> sitting in the drawer all day. Oh, the things they must think. Every couple of weeks, it's their time to shine. <gasps> New can of peaches got to get opened. <laughs> and then one day, technology for self-opening cans came about. Oh no, the ring pull. The ring they pull. all have ring pull on them now. Mm. Ruined everything. Until one day, you accidentally pull it too hard and you snap it off, don't you? So the you ring came off my pudding can. Yeah. <laughs> Take my pen knife, my good man. <laughs> <laughs> he was finally released in 1993 at the age of 73. He and his wife settled into a home that she'd bought for them in Pompano Beach in Florida. He spent his days working on his manuscript and giving saxophone and clarinet lessons in the den. They had a good life together. In the den? They were happy. May God have mercy on us all. Sorry, I've got to say, we just, I realise we nearly got to the end without the Simpsons stuff, so we've got two in there. So sorry. They're happy. They're, they're happy. In the den. Everything's good. It actually sounds like a lovely life Yeah, now. and they're in this, like, there's a, a nice sort of retirement uh, community and, you know, there's nice restaurants they can go to and they go out and there's a golf course. Oh, and my goodness. Got everything you could possibly ever need. A den? So, then came the day in 1999 when at the age of 78, Forrest Tucker drove to the Republic Security Bank in Jupiter, about Uh-oh. 50 miles from his home. Dressed in all white, white pants with a sharp crease, a white sports shirt, white suede shoes, and a shimmering white ascot. Honestly, when I'm imagining that, shithouse outfit. It's a lot of white on white. And it doesn't really go. Why are you wearing suede shoes and like a polo shirt? Is that what an ascot is? A polo? No, an ascot's like a little scarf. He's got oh. a little scarf on. Right. I'm imagining a sports shirt to be a polo. Yeah, he sounds like he's a member of the yacht club again. Yeah. Right. He paused briefly in front of the ATM and pulled the ascot up around his face, bandit style. <laughs> he then reached into a canvas bag, took out an old US Army Colt uh, 45 and burst into the bank. He went up to the first teller and said, put your money on the counter, all of it. He did this with the second teller as well, gathered up more than $5,000 and left, thanking the tellers on his way out. He drove to a nearby lot where he left a safe car, which is a red Grand Am that couldn't be traced to him. After wiping down the stolen hot car with a rag, he threw his belongings inside the Grand Am. No one seemed to notice him, and he went home making what appeared to be a clean getaway. After a brief stop to count the money, he got back in the car and headed out again. As he approached the golf course, the bills neatly stacked beside him, he noticed an unmarked car on his tail. He turned onto another street just to make sure. There it was again. Then he spotted a police car pulling out behind him. He hit the gas as hard as he could, trying to outmaneuver them, turning left, then right, right, then left. (laughs) He went past the North Pompano uh, Baptist Church and the funeral home, past a row of pink one-story houses with speedboats in the driveway, until he found himself on a dead-end street. As he spun around, he saw that the police car was barricading the road. One of the officers, Captain James Chin, was reaching for his shotgun. There was a small gap between Chin's car and a wooden fence, and Tucker, his body pitched forward in his seat, sped towards it. Chin, who had spent almost two decades as a detective, later said that he'd never seen anything like it. The white-haired figure barreling towards him seemed to be smiling, as if he were enjoying the showdown. (laughs) 
Then as the car skidded over the embankment, Tucker lost control and hit a palm tree. The airbags inflated, pinning him against the seat. The police were stunned when they realised that the man they'd apprehended was not only 78 years old, he looked, according to Chin, as if he'd just come from an early bird special, but one of the most notorious stick-up men of the 20th century. So he's done it again. He, that's an addiction, right? Yeah. He can't well, help himself. I know, and like a few people sort of talked about it a bit. His wife said he didn't do it for the money. She said we had a new car, nice home paid for, beautiful clothes. Like he had everything. It wasn't for the money. And Captain Chin, who apprehended him for what he believed to be his fourth recent rob- robbery in the Florida area. So he might have done a few others before this as well. Right. He said, I think he wanted to become a legend like Bonnie and Clyde. You know, I think it was. I think you're right. I think there's like an addiction to it. So on October 20 in, in 2000, just before his case was scheduled to go to trial, he pleaded guilty and he was sentenced to 13 years. So David Grant's article that this is all, you know, mostly based on was published in 2003 and all good things must come to an end. Forrest Tucker passed away in prison in 2004 at the age of 83. Uh, back in prison. Yeah. So he spent most of his life in prison. Um, but he ha- how many years did he have with his wife out, like living a normal life? Um, so five or six years? And yeah. it, so his wife forgave him for lying about who he was? Yeah, well, I guess so. That's when, it. When you said she was in tears, that was her realising she didn't really know him or that was... Yeah, she, yeah. Didn't, she didn't know his real name. Right. Or she thought he was a stockbroker named Bob, Bob Callahan. Um, But then despite, yeah, I think all of her sort of friends and family were going, no, don't do this. But she was like, I'm going to stand by him. Right. And... You know, and, and she said, like, if you if you just do the right thing this time. And so she waited for him. He was in prison for five years or something. And he said he only five, needed... Maybe longer. He needed only one more. Needed, uh, he had one break and that's all he'll ever need. Mm. And he needed another one. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, the end of the article gets pretty grim. Um just talking about her kind of being like, I don't know what to do without him. Oh. And also his son. Um, he and his son sort of end up corresponding a little bit in letters and then Forrest just sort of drops on his son that, oh, you've actually got a sister as well. He had a, from his very first marriage, that he was he wasn't involved in either of his children's lives. And, yeah, it's um, it's... Pretty goddamn wild. The article is is really, really great. As always, I'll have all the references and stuff in the show notes. So I would recommend, you know, um, having a bit of a read through it because it's really, really great. But that's just a story I've wanted to tell for a long time. I, I did watch The Old Man and the Gun. I think I saw it. I must have been on a plane. It's probably a pretty good plane movie. Is that how you came across the story? Yeah. And then I, I, I think it, it must say something in there about, you know, it's based on a true story or something and I read a little bit about it hasn't been suggested by anybody um in jack the hat mcvitty like i said there's like barely anything on youtube there's not that many sources about it which is a little bit sad because he was writing his story thinking it would be a good hollywood film and then it hasn't even really the story hasn't even really picked up but then i guess it did make a hollywood film so hmm yeah. Ah, but yeah, he was he wasn't around to see it happen. Yeah. That's sad. It wasn't really, you know, his story. It was sort of it was actually based on this article. 
So right. yeah, it's all it's all sort of come from David Grant, who then like wrote a book as well, which had a, a few different stories, including this one. So anyway, yeah, really interesting story and a, a and a fascinating person. But that is my that is my tale of Forrest Tucker. Tom Waits is in that film. Yep. What a cast! Yeah, Robert it's a Redford, really good cast. Danny Glover, Sissy Spacek. Robert Redford said it would be his last role before retiring. But then, I, then he did an Avengers one, so he had a very, very brief cameo in Endgame. Yeah, and that right. was his last role. Oh, interesting. Mm. Oh, great work, Bopper. Yeah, awesome. Great story. I'll have to check that film out. Yeah, love yeah, yeah, love bad. when you uh, hear about a new character from history like that that I'd never heard of. Yeah, before. never heard of him. Hmm. Um, and the other character from today's episode, Mike Whitney, I, ha- I can confirm <laughs> from his Wikipedia, his test debut came in unusual circumstances. Australia was touring England in 1981 and Whitney was in England playing Northern League cricket for Fleetwood Cricket Club and some county cricket for Gloucestershire. Injuries to Rodney Hogg and Jeff Lawson in the Australian squad led to Whitney playing the final two tests of the tour. It was the first Australian test cricketer to be selected in this way. Wow. Just happened to be over there. That's amazing. That's good luck. Right yeah. place, right time. Yeah, yeah. And that led to him hosting Who Dares Wins. Yeah, one of the greatest shows of the 90s. Fantastic. Will you eat this disgusting shit <laughs> for $50 cash <laughs> right now? Yes, I will, Mike Whitney. Thank you. Tanya Zayeta, hand him the shit. <laughs> and there, and the referee on Gladiators. What a guy. All right. Um, he deserves an episode, obviously. Oh, uh, of course. We won't Down burn any of that. Absolute yeah. gold. The follow-up to the other great cricketer, Bradman, obviously <laughs> <Yeah>. Whitney. <laughs> uh, so this brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show, I would argue, uh, which is the fact, quote, or question section, which has a little jingle that goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question. Ding. He always remembers the ding. Now, to get involved in this, you can go to patreon.com slash pod. And you can support us on the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Memorial Rest in Peace edition level. And then you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question. You also get to give yourself a title. We read out four each week. There's a bunch of different levels. We'll tell you a bit more about them soon. But the first fact, quote, or question today comes from Tessa Chilcott, who's given herself the title of Doctor of... Mm. Uh, it's Doctor of Tessa Chilcott. I guess that makes it... Doctor of herself. I like that. Only you know you. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Tessa has offered us a fact this week, and (gasps) that fact is, my last thing was lame (laughs) as I was post-night shift. So here is a fact. I doubt it very much. I doubt it was lame. lame. I've never had a lame one before. I know that post-night shift (laughs) pain. (laughs) Her last one was, how much wood does a woodchuck chuck? (laughs) Wasn't lame. That was fun. It was fascinating. It led to us learning more fun facts about that woodchuck. Yeah, can't remember any of them. No, but I remember enjoying it at the time. Funny names. (laughs) Anyway, Tessa's fact uh, is: Canberra has a NASA base. What? NASA or NASA? NASA. NASA. (laughs) And that is not an initialism. It's an anagram. (laughs) The word is actually San. San. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this is, is all from Tessa, is it? This is all from Tessa. <laughs> wow. Uh, now yeah. the fact continues. Canberra Deep Space Communications Complex at Tidbinilla. Tidbinbilla. Sorry. Tidbinbilla. 
It supplies continuous radio contact tracking with spacecraft exploring our solar system and beyond. Thanks heaps for the laughs. Definitely need them during 2020. Mm. Thank you, Tessa. Thanks, Tessa. Great fact. I did not know that. Huh. So they didn't keep using parks. Yeah, the dish. Yeah, they didn't keep using the dish. I think the the dish is still there. I visited not too long ago. I think it's still doing something. I'd love to go. Huge call here. Probably one of my favourite Sam Neill roles. Wow. Big Sam Neill fan. Oh. Love Sam Neill. Love Sam. A little bit obsessed with Sam Neill. Yeah. Oh my God. Would he adopt me, do you reckon? He's yes. really funny. He's You know, very I did funny. a scene with Sam. Fuck off. When was that? On um, Get Cracking. Oh, yeah. I yes. didn't have a line. I was just sort of. There. I was there. But so it was cool to see him work. You've met Sam Neill. Well. You're close personal friends with Sam Neill. Wow. Well, sure. Can I have Sam Neill's mobile number? Okay, but I'm only saying it off pod. Okay. Can you ask him to adopt me? Yeah. I'll you don't have to give me his phone number. Okay. Just ask him, hey, any need for a 30-year-old daughter? Okay. Did yeah, I'll pass that on. Did you have a catered lunch with him? Uh, did you eat a chickpea salad next to Sam oh, Neal? Oh, I'd love to say that I did. Oh, that'd be yum, though. I'd love to say that I did, so I will. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, that was a great, great fact from Tessa. I, I went to the parks. I got a little snow dome of the, oh, the yes. dish. <laughs> I was obsessed with that movie when I was 10, when it came out. And uh, we were studying space in grade four. And all the other kids made like dioramas of the, the planets. Oh, yeah. And I made the parks station in a, in a sheep field. Wow. And my teacher was like... This kid's gonna grow up to be a little bit weird. Oh, really? She was I right. I thought she was gonna. I thought she was like, "This is a good sign." No, I think she was like, "She's gonna be a high achiever." Little fucking weirdo. Why don't you just make a planet like all the <laughs> others? What a great cast: Sam Neill, Putty, mm. uh, guy from Sea Change. Yep. Kev. Mm-hmm. This goes on. Uh, Patrick Warburton, one of the greatest voices known to man. Oh, great name! One of the most fun names to say. Patrick really great. Warburton. Wow. Uh, well, I'm looking him up. You'll oh, Putty. Him. Yeah. <laughs> His name's not really Putty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so the next one comes from Matthew Bohr. And he's offered us a fact. And his fact is, I was going to do a question, but after listening to a previous episode, I figured I would continue my traditional, uh, traditional giving of facts for old reports everyone has forgotten about. Oh, great. The iconic Orson Welles has many famous roles, both in front and behind the camera, mm-hmm. as talked about on the War of the World at Worlds episode. But what many people don't know is that his final cinematic role was, and uh, sorry, I'm reading this poorly, but what many people don't know is what his final cinematic role was. For his last performance, Orson voiced the big bad planet-eating Transformer, Unicron, in the 1986 Transformers movie, a character that has lived on in Transformers fiction and media ever since. Wow. Due to his declining health at the time, major work had to be done to clean up the audio to make it usable, but what is in the film is him. It is a crazy way to end such an amazing career by having your last role essentially being Transformers Satan. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I did not know that. That's no. a fun fact. I was wondering. I thought that's that's right up your alley, Dave, is a fact. Yeah. I, d- I do resent you saying it's a fun fact, though. Sorry. That's, um, that's a grim. That's no, a th- grim yours fact. are grim. Yours are fun. Mine are... That's a, that's a 
trivia night worthy fact. Okay. Oh, it's a bit mouthy, but that's yeah. it's your fact, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pub quiz worthy. F- no, nah, it's still not good. <laughs> Let me just. I'll, I'll workshop quietly over here. But I get what. You, yeah, I get where you're going, and I love that kind of energy. It really suits you. Oh, I forgot to say, Matthew Bohr's title is oh. head of catering and mixology for the Do Go On Triptych. Oh, oh my God! Thank God, because I am. Worn out. Yeah, I am working eight days a week. Mm. Uh, I would love a bit of help here. I'd love a chickpea salad. Yeah, <laughs> that's not too much to ask. Uh, thank you so much, Matthew Bohr. The next one comes from Jordan Nassi, who's the Triptych Club landscaper and maintenance guy who stares longingly through the window. <laughs> <laughs> you can come in, surely, right? Yeah, for a glass of water. No worries. Then back <laughs> out there, start plowing the field. <laughs> We have a field? Yeah, it's a big garden. He's got to ride on mower. The triptych field. Love that. Good for us. Um, so Jordan's fact is there is a Canadian nuclear bunker built for Prime Minister John G. Diefenbaker. It was almost sold to the Hells Angels. <laughs> also called the Diefen Bunker. Yes, that is a pun. Ah, okay. Because it sounds a bit like his last name. Yes. Okay. Almost bought by the Hells Angels. Yeah. What are they going to use it for? A clubhouse? Guess Do they have so. clubhouses? Clubhouse bunker. I mean, you don't want your clubhouse to be filled with natural light, do you? Bunker no. it up. And you want it to be uh, you know, fallout proof. Mm. 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 Just in case the enemy gets their hands on a nuclear weapon. Yeah, obviously. Thank you so much uh, for that one, Jordan. And finally, from Gaddy J in the UK who's given himself the title of I'm just somewhere called I'm just from somewhere called the UK. <laughs> That's his title. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Gary J from the UK, I'm just from lo- somewhere from the UK. I love how as this goes on they're getting weirder. <laughs> they're feeling comfortable with us. Yeah, I love that. love that. Uh Gary writes a question. Mm-hmm. I guess he asks a question. And that question is this. Other than the US tour, is there anything you'd love to do? Through the pod. First thing I thought of was world domination. Mm. Oh, but yeah. other than that, and he also says, stay stay safe. Thumb emoji. Oh, thank you for that thumb, thumb emoji. Thumb up emoji, I should say. Yeah, thank not you. thumb down. Not just like a severed thumb, oh. like a, some sort of a <laughs> gruesome warning. Gary J's a psycho. <laughs> um, what would we like to do through the pod? I the pod. definitely have a goal, and that is uh, international waters. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. We'd love to on get a on a barge. <laughs> on a barge. Special <laughs> waters. We've also talked about all living in one big mansion, preferably oh, yeah. in the shape of the word to do go on. Oh. Yeah. Um, obviously, the O's are little grottos. Yeah, we definitely need grottos. Um, oh, well, there are in separate wings, of course. There's only so much time you can spend with colleagues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd love to go to New Zealand. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're in our bubble at the moment, so they're our most likely next international tour. Damn right! Yeah, so that's, that would be awesome. that's almost achievable. Mm. I'd love to uh, be invited to do a special guest DJ set. Oh, for where? Who cares? Um, <laughs> okay, for a kid's birthday. Yeah, if you, you're uh, <laughs> Riley's fifth birthday, I'll do it. Dave, we could just like just do that after a show one no, time. But I just needed to say, do go on in brackets DJ set. Who's yeah, Riley? Okay. <laughs> you just hoping that someone out there. <laughs> yeah, if you, that's it's pretty specific, isn't it? <laughs> it's um, very specific. Um, I'd also I'd love to see Matt throw the first pitch for the Gary and the oh, other Oh, I'd forgotten about that. I haven't been in touch with the Gary, the good people at 
the Gary South Shore yeah. Railcats in a while. Hopefully they haven't forgotten about me. I'd love to see you throw that. I'd, I'd be cheering that. you on. Someone offered so that loud. and who knows if they're still with the organisation or not. Hopefully yeah. they are. I mean, I'll, I can just forward them back the email saying, come on. Yeah, please. Come on. You promised Don't back this. out, please. This is a contract. I need this. Quite honestly, everything that we've done in the last five years, other than just like sitting in the room recording, Everything else we've done, like the web series and touring and even live shows in around Australia, has all been such a pleasant surprise for me yeah. that I have no idea what could happen. So I don't, I, I have no goals or nothing that I sort of go, oh, that'd be nice to do. Like I, everything we do blows my mind. Yeah, five years ago, say any of this stuff, it'd be. I'd be like, what are you talking about? That sounds wild. Yeah. <laughs> COVID, what? What does that mean? <laughs> So lockdown, Indiana Railcats. What? (laughs) What are you talking about? Yeah, even the live streams which we've got coming up this weekend, like that's that blows my mind every time. Oh yeah, we should have mentioned that. (laughs) Yeah, we got live streams on Saturday. Yeah, there you go. I did it. Yeah. This weekend, the first of four. Saucepresents.com. You click on that, you'll see them all there. Get the get the full. Um, the season pass, season pass. Four, four shows for the price of three and what, so each one we're going to do like it's in a different part of the world and it's sort of friendly in that time mm. zone but you can certainly come to all four and they'll remain online so you can watch them over and over at your leisure if you want to anyway but this first one is our North American show so the topic's going to be uh, North American related. It's a bit of a Ooh. bit of a change up for us. Have different? we covered that continent before? <laughs> I don't know if we have. I'm trying to think of where that is in the world, North America. I know yeah. South America. Yes. Is it near well, there? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Forget where from there. Right. In relation, somewhere but in the vicinity. Could be nor nor east. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Nor nor. Keep going nor nor. Yeah. Nor <laughs> nor. Um. Yes. What was... Oh, yeah. Hey, and oh, the other wild thing that's coming up that I don't think any of us would have ever expected, we're nominated for an actor. Yeah. I had to look up hiring a tuxedo because <laughs> the dress code is above my wardrobe. Yeah, absolutely. It's a black tie event. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Um, and there's a red carpet, but I'm shooting another thing that morning, so I'm not sure if I'll... Hopefully I can get there in time to walk the red carpet. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. So funny. I can't wait for the media to have to be like, and who are you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so that's fun. I've been Wild. the media at the ACRAs, which were the Australian Commercial Radio Awards, and you just take photos of everyone. Right. Just, just in case. For politeness, right, as yeah. well. Yeah. Why make someone feel like you just, every, you just see no the whole paparazzi mob just all drop their drop, They put the lens cap down. on. Yeah. I go, no. <laughs> I'm not going to waste any... Gigabytes on him. <laughs> he looks silly. <laughs> Why is he wearing a top hat? <laughs> oh, I should go all out. Yes, please. Uh, so, uh, there are our facts, our quotes, and our questions for this week. Oh, the other thing, if you are listening to this today, uh, you want to vote for us in the Australian Podcast Awards, go to Australian Podcasts, AustralianPodcastAwards.com slash vote, and then type in do go on in the mm-hmm. search thing. And then you follow it from there. It's pretty straightforward. It's very easy from there. It really is. Yep. We come up after you write in D-O-G. Wow. Yeah, you think other dog pods would come up? No. But no. <laughs> um, yeah, so that'd be cool. That Voting on that d- does close like 
within hours of this episode going out. So only if you're listening. Only to if this you're listening. Fresh. Bang on like you're an absolute legend. Only if you actually really love us. <laughs> yeah, if you listen to prove this. it. Yeah, <laughs> if you listen prove to this after that, then we need it. awards. Uh, see that that blows my mind. Yeah, that I I honestly haven't thought or cared about the actors because I'm just like that's not real. <laughs> that can't possibly be real. Nothing that we could be eligible for could possibly be good. <laughs> so any club that wants me or whatever that saying is, yeah, is a shit shit club. <laughs> great <laughs> quote, great yeah. quote, beautifully, beautifully said. Charlie Chaplin said that. Mm. Yeah, or was it Marcel Marceau? It's one of those. Karl Marx. Karl Marx. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> he said some good stuff, didn't he? I'm <laughs> uh, just joking around there, guys. Don't tweet me. <laughs> uh, so, the other thing we like to do is thank a few other Patreon supporters. Um, if you get involved on the DB Cooper level, I'm going to mm, say. The shout-out level. The shout-out level. Could be the arse prod. It's, a, it's one of those two. The other one, you get bonus episodes. So, depending on the level, you can get three bonus episodes per month. Um, you can do the fact quota question thing. If you're at the higher level you are, you get everything below it as well. Uh, what else is there? There's a weekly newsletter that Jess organises, which is normally me telling you about something pretty dull, but Dave comes up with something fun, and so does Jess. <laughs> Matt. I'm selling it on. Matt. Yeah? Everything you write in that newsletter is delightful. <laughs> it is. So you stop it right now. Hey, don't you look away from me. You're beautiful, <laughs> and you are l- valuable. Like oh. a little diamond <laughs> over there, aren't you? Stop it. Isn't he our little diamond, yeah, Dave? Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> we found Dave, out, we found you out. literally have a fucking acting degree. Can you give <laughs> me a little something here? Wow. There we go. I believe Bit that. Bit of a tree. Intrigue. That. What was your motivation there? <laughs> Not to hurt my feelings? <laughs> Lying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He knew I would punch him if he did badly. Fear is a great motivator. <laughs> <laughs> so one of, the, one of the big things we do is we uh, give you a shout out on the show. Um, and yeah, it's time to do that now. Well, I'm trying to, what are some other, there's also a Facebook group, which is an awesome community mm. that our patrons are allowed in to, not allowed in, they, <laughs> uh, they are it. That's, uh, if it's not for that, the, they make it so, so good. And it's nice in there every day. It's a nice little corner of the internet. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is time to shout out and thank a few of our supporters. If I could kick it off, Jess normally comes up with a little game. Um, should we Escape say... Escape raft? <laughs> oh, yeah, I was going to say what they went to prison for. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've done modes of transport a bit lately, so maybe escape raft is pretty close to that. But, pre- like, crimes is fun. Yeah, crimes. But, like, petty ones. Yeah, like stealing a bike. Slash yeah. Car. <laughs> or, yeah, the real crime and what, what they're selling it as later. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, firstly, I'd love to thank from Maddingly... In Victoria. I don't I'm not sure where that is. Not me either. So sounds cool. Mm. Love to thank Alison Ramsey. Alison Ramsey, obviously Two humps. selling a, a counterfeit Camel. or doing fake tours of Ramsey Street. Oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. good. And it's like he's in a different suburb. It's the it's not in Ramsey Street. Yeah. yeah, it's it's <laughs> in Mattingly. So there's a Ramsey Street in Mattingly and somehow But it's um, not even. She's just like put a uh, like a piece of paper, yeah. blue tacked <laughs> over the top. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and it's like it's not a, it's not really a jail sentence to be honest. It's just a fine and a, a slap on the wrist. Yeah, and she later tells me oh, I wasn't even that big of a deal. Yeah, all I did was sell counterfeit um, 
Summer Bay merchandise. Yeah, and they're like, oh, whatever. Whatever, who even cares? She's like, honestly, I just opened an Etsy and sold stuff on it. And yeah. they were like, nah, you can't. Alpha Flaming Galar badges, that's all it was. And then, you know, now everyone knows that, you know, the cops suck, hey? <laughs> so, so no there's that. Uh, thank you, Alison. <laughs> Sorry, um, Alison. I think you only deserve a slap on the wrist for that, but I'm afraid you're getting 10 years. <laughs> I'd also love to thank from Williamsport in Pennsylvania, the United States, Markia Bell. Markia Bell. Makaya Bell. Makaya. Would you think Makaya's crime is incorrectly using apostrophes <gasps> on sign writing? Oh, yeah. no. Putting in too many. Like Too many? Yeah, willy-nilly. Just every, every time Makaya sees an S... Throws one in. Three dollar right. pies, and pi- there's a apostrophe between E and S. And there's an apostrophe between L and L. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> really okay. incorrectly using them. Yeah, that's. And they wrote out dollar. Yeah, <laughs> that's a crime. <laughs> they didn't just do the dollar sign. No. Nah. What? Three dollar apostrophe. And are they la. charging by letter? Yeah. This sign company. That's why you get because yeah. you put any bit of a punctuation, they count that as a letter. Um, that's a character. Yeah. Unbloody believable. They what a rot. Put everything in in quote marks, like everything. Yeah, <laughs> everything. Great pies. Allegedly, who said, who said <laughs> yeah. that? Who Attribute said that it? quote. Yeah, come on. Attribute it. There's an asterisk there as well. Wow. In brackets. Wow. What sort of sentence are they looking at? Um. Yeah. Probably three or four years. Yeah. Right. Uh. Hard labour. Any chance of parole? Yeah. After one. Wow. Still yeah. long time. But no. Mostly the hard labour is painting over their signs. Yeah, and they try to undersell it by saying, oh, it was, oh, I just did one typo in a newsletter one time. Yeah. Yeah, come on, mate. We know you, what you we did know to the... We, we know, know what you, every, we know what you did. Every sign in town. <laughs> we know what you did. No and one knows what's possessive and what's not. And finally, I'd love to thank Longmont. No, hang on. From Longmont. <laughs> <laughs> but we'd also like to thank the place <laughs> of love, Longmont. Thank I'd you, love Longmont. to thank the city of Longmont <laughs> in Colorado. I reckon, United States, Ryan Douglas Hoffman. Ah, D.H. Ah, D.H. Longmont. Longmont. Okay, what's Ryan done? What do you think Ryan stole uh, a sticky bun <gasps> from a child's picnic? What? Oh. Yeah, so. And that kid starved to death. Yeah, so wow. so it's actually manslaughter. But oh my god! Ryan didn't know that that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that that kid would die from my directly from my actions. Exactly. I think I tell it to the judge. Much. I think yeah. I went too far. Unintended consequences, not their fault. Yeah, and then so he just told people like I just picked up the wrong bag at the bakery. Yeah, mm. and I put it straight back down. Yeah, and I, I apologized profusely. Yeah, and I'll, and they and sent I me paid. To the big house. I paid for that I paid person's, and I gave them extra money. For the, yeah, just for the inconvenience. And they still threw away the key. Unbelievable. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right, RDH. <laughs> Fuck them. Fuck them. Uh, but thank you so much for your support. Alison, Makia, or Makaya, and Ryan. May I thank some people as well? Please. I would love to thank from Orlando, Florida. Florida mentioned a lot in this report. Love to thank Candace Suda. Oh, Candace Suda. Suda. That's Suda. That's got to be Suda. Well, that's un- un- your Suda who spelt it like that and called himself Suda. There we go. Let's go with that then. But Americans pronounce things weird Suda. or different. Hey, Suda. maybe they think we pronounce things weird. <laughs> yeah. We're doubt cool. It. I doubt it. We're though. very cool. We don't have an accent. They do. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ours is normal. Yeah. <laughs> we have normal accents. It's not even an accent. Yeah, they on. talk a bit funny. Yeah, they do. And um, Candace. Is that their crime? Talking funny? Yes. Talking funny. <laughs> yeah. And that, that loudly. Is that, isn't that the uh, Ricky Gervais panel show he did with <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock? Yeah, that's and Louis right. Louis C.K.? Wow. Talking funny. Talking funny. Which was a crime. Yeah. Because they didn't show it, but Louis C.K. <laughs> was up to some... They cut it out, but some he crook got shit. up to some pretty crook <laughs> shit. <laughs> I, like, I love describing anything as crook shit. Yeah, that is crook crook shit. Crook. But so, but Candace is talking funny. Maybe... Candace's crime is um, having an inconsistent accent. <gasps> oh, that yes, changing every all the time. Yeah. Hmm. Some t- some days she's like, "Hello, I'm Candace." Yeah. And then other days she just talks normal for a bit. Yeah. Okay, Australian. Yeah. Australian, like, yeah. like yeah, you're saying I mean. now. Obviously, yeah. like this. Yeah. Hello, I'm Candace. Super Ocaraz. Yeah. But then other days she's like. Hello, yeah. Kindle. But where it gets iffy is when she's doing like Asian accents. Yeah, yeah. That, that was You're the arrest. Like, You're like, yeah. Candace, come on. Come on. Come on. She does the Orlando accent. You two have been there. How does it go? Um, I haven't been there, I so it's on you, Jess. It's on you, oh. Jess. But you've been, been to Disneyland and they've got a Disney World, so you should know. Oh, okay, yeah. What's the Disney sort of accent? Um, The Disney sort of accent was like, Hello, I'm Mickey <laughs> so yeah. something like that. Was that Mickey Adele's trapped <laughs> in a Mickey Mouse costume? Because that's pretty good. That was a pretty good. Yeah. Panic doing, Mickey. You doing goofy now? <laughs> no. Uh, thank you, Candace. Thanks, Candace. Thanks, Candace, and sorry. And I would also like to thank from Fisher in the Australian Capital Territory, Canberra. Love to thank Hannah White. Thanks, Hannah White. And Hannah White, she actually overfished. Uh, mm-hmm. Lake Burley Griffith. Yeah. The, cam- the the man-made Canberra Lake. Oh, wow. Got some pretty strict rules on how many fish, what size fish. And she was just like, fuck the she rules. She was flaunting it. She said care. that. She said that. To she said, the, fuck the rules. The person from forestry. She actually has a tattoo that says, learn the rules so you know how to break them properly. Wow. Yeah. Which was the uh, yearbook quote of my best friend in year 12. And she is now a police officer. <laughs> and I remind her that of that very frequently. Well, that adds up to me. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds... That I would have guessed that if you hadn't told me what her job was. 100% that makes She's sense. She's a cop. She's a cop. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Hannah has overfished Lake Billy Griffith. What is the uh, punishment for that? Uh, that's a uh, slap on the wrist. Oh, really? That's only environmental damage. Slap slap on the wrist with a fish. Yeah. But she told him, like, I just went home with one extra goldfish. Yeah. It was a goldfish for my nephew. What are they, cod? Come on. What's a a goldfish called? Goldfish. Koi. They're koi. And they just got, oh, it was only one letter off. Yeah. (laughs) Well... Well, you I mean, made a big difference, fish. though, didn't it? Made they're different fish. They are different fish. I, I really but have goldfish to in a big lake, though, they get pretty big. Do they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll grow. Can you get big goldfish? They grow as big as they, the bowl they're in. Get is that, is that not true? That is true. So a lake, that's a big bowl. That's a big fucking bowl. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you to Hannah. And finally, for me, I would love to thank from Landsborough in Queensland, Crystal Harris. Angela Landsborough. Ooh. Oh, no, that's not quite right, is it? But if it was true, their crime, mm. murder she wrote. Yeah, always being near a murder. Yeah. Whoa. Eventually they were like, too many coincidences. <laughs> we're yeah. going to have to lock Crystal. you away just to, just just protect to see. people. Yeah. yeah. 
And since Crystal's been behind bars, not a single murder committed on Earth. Whoa. Yep. So is, it could be a coincidence. They're not 100% sure. It's the first time they've put someone away for thinking they might have done something. Yeah. But they're not sure how. Wow. Uh, because they kept finding other people to put away for those murders. So, yeah, you'd think she'd have some sort of double jeopardy. You're right. But I don't think that's a, a law in Australia. Damn. Oh, really? I huh. don't know, is it? That's I don't know really fully understand. I have it. some phone calls to make. <laughs> yeah. I'll be hmm. I'll be right back. <laughs> Angela Lansbury, not Angela Lansborough. Yes. Yeah, so still we got someone with yeah. it. So appreciate the offer. We've re- we've really dropped off the uh whatever the, the what they faked their crime to be later. Oh yeah. Uh she well, we said did it for Hannah. She she said, No, I only got I I didn't get done for that. I got done for impersonating Poirot at a theatre restaurant <laughs> yeah. um, without a licence. You gotta have a licence to be Poirot, and I didn't know that. It's I an see. honest mistake. Yeah. They fined me three Sorry, they found me. <laughs> <laughs> and then they arrested me, yeah. So thank you very much to Crystal, Hannah, and Candace there. Dave, bring it home. Well, I would like to think now from an undisclosed location. Oh, love that. You like your privacy. Is always. A little bit mysterious. I would like to thank Alex Patre. That's a fancy sounding name, is it? Patre. Mm. I doubted myself straight away. (laughs) Is it? For me, it's bringing up Petri dish. Oh. Something in Petri dishes? The Chemical warfare? We're back to the dish again. Yeah, the dish. Oh, no, selling pirated copies of the dish. (laughs) I mean, why? Well, for profit. People <laughs> would pay big bucks for that. Oh, yeah. And that's they why do. You do it. Yeah, okay. See? Exactly. They were Better profit margin. Has it got special features? Has it got any behind-the-scenes interviews with Sam Neill? Yeah, it's got a couple. Fuck yeah. yeah. I'd be on that. And a bottle of his wine. Two sheds or whatever You just called. bullshitted NASA. Great line. Ugh. Well written, that one. Working dog. Is there anything they can't do? No. Can't put me on their TV show. That's what they can't do. <laughs> I mean, oh. they can. They can. They chose not to. Not to. That's all right. all right. Hey, in fairness to them, they chose not to put me on it as well. Hmm. I mean, they didn't even know they made that choice. <laughs> but they but, did. you know. <laughs> indirectly. Yeah, indirect decisions are still decisions. <laughs> God, that's a lot of pressure. But on you, Alex Partre. On you. On you. On you. On you, Alex What did Alex say they were doing? Oh, no, I was just doing an impression of Sam Neill. Yeah. But no. From that ad where he did an ad for the meat industry where he said, if we didn't, if we weren't eating meat, we'd still live in the trees or something like that. You remember right. that ad? No, I don't. It's like that, but the impression is better. <gasps> Eat meat is how I think was the catchphrase. It was a good ad. Good ad. Um, who have you got next? I'm fairly confident he's a vegetarian. Is he really? I think he might I'll, be. I'll, I'm much like him. I'd... You know, for the right price, I'd advertise anything. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't be wrong, but I was looking him up recently when I was, because uh, I watched Hunt for the Wilder People, and I was like, I need to learn more about my my lovely man, <laughs> <laughs> Sam Neill, whom I love. Well, while you keep looking that up, I would like to thank, from Indianapolis, Indiana, Steve Baker. Steve Baker. Now, there's a name you can set your watch to. <laughs> yeah, there really is. <laughs> Steve Baker, I love it. Steve Baker. That's a great name. I trust Steve Baker instantly. Yeah. What's but his I, crime? But I shouldn't. Forfeit pies. Counterfeit pies. Counterfeit pies. Forfeit pies. pies. <laughs> he just forfeited them. <laughs> <laughs> you talk, talk me through a counterfeit pie, though. That, 
Oh, well, it's um made. He, so he shows you one real pie. Yeah. Gets you in on him. Oh yeah. Smell yeah. that oh. beautiful, fresh Th- out of the oven. Th- I'll take a dozen, thanks. All right. <laughs> and he turns around, and then he hands you a cardboard box full of cardboard pies. No. <laughs> I'm like. Quite Jesus. realistic looking. Geez, Steve, this box is pretty light <laughs> for 12 pies, but all right. No worries. Thanks so much. No, he fills them with marbles oh, to wow. get the weight right. Wow, that's that's genius. Yeah. The same. T- <laughs> exactly. People don't know that, but mince meat and marbles have the same weight if what? you have them in the same, you know, the equal weight measurements. Yeah, right. So if you had a kilo of mince and a kilo of marbles, yeah. they would weigh the same. A lot of people don't know that, that but sounds, that is true. That sounds like bullshit. Well, is that a fun fact? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if you also had a kilo of water? No. Okay. No, water, that's a liquid. Weighs a different amount. Mm. Yeah, that weighs less. It's mm. not a marble. Come on. I, Sorry. I, I assume you're joking, but that, yeah, that, no, that, that is a funny question. <laughs> but mince meat, that's like kind of a liquid, kind of a solid. Yes. You have gravy oh, in there. So yuck. where's that? It's like, that's like half. So that, that's probably half a kilo because it's half water. Yeah, well, that's that's why it's interesting that marbles weigh the same. Because marbles, scientifically, even though they are hard, um, because they used to be hot. And liquidy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are still, somehow it freezes in the liquid and they have the same um, scientific weight as hot mints. Why, they always weigh a kilo. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I'm um, quite wrong and I think, I don't think Sam Neill's a vegetarian. Don't know. I read somewhere recently that someone was a vegetarian. Love that. (laughs) That, Is that a fun fact? That's a fun fact. (laughs) I can't keep up. That's pretty fun. Uh, on and his, his winery wasn't whatever I said. It's two paddocks. Yes. And wow, we don't funny. know much about Sam Neill at <laughs> all. <laughs> I don't know anything about my dad. We, sorry, are we think of the right guy. Okay, I'm thinking. <laughs> of, I was thinking of Hugo Weaving. I'm thinking of Benedict Cumberbatch, <laughs> oh. <laughs> who I was looking up because I was watching Sherlock. He is a vegan. Wow. Right, but he also was in that meat ad. <laughs> he was in a meat ad. That's why it's confusing. The right price. Like Get Benedict. back in the tree, you vegan. Is that what he said? That was the catchphrase. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) We should write ads. Yeah. But it's just us getting confused over what we've read. (laughs) Anyway, buy the product. (laughs) (laughs) So, thank you, uh, Steve Baker. (laughs) Name you can set your watch to. From the great (laughs) state of Indiana. Love that. It's not that far from Gary. It's not. Well, I've got one final name to thank you. And they're from, and I'm going to say this wrong. I'm so sorry. From Washington in the US, the city is Issaquah. Issaquah, I think. Is I've, it? Is I, that how you spell I've it? I've heard of Issaquah before. I've never seen it written down. <laughs> have you? But have you heard of Issaquah? Yeah. Yeah, I reckon that I've heard of Issaquah. Um, you keep talking and I'll Google how to pronounce it. Wow, that's a... People are yelling. Even if I'm absolutely nailing the Australian version of it, people are going, that's not right. (laughs) (laughs) You don't see it like that. You know, in that little hoity-toity American accent. That was such a good accent. Thank you. And I think all of our American (laughs) listeners will definitely not be tweeting. Go again. That's not it. We're getting so much static here. Issaquah. 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 That's according to... See, hear, say, learn.com. Oh, what if I want to touch? So I was, I was wow. Are you thinking of Ithaca? Oh, maybe I'm thinking of Ithaca. I thought that was Jessica. I just thought that's what Barcelonian people's (laughs) called Ithaca. 
That's a cool. Mate, this is definitely getting tweets because even on our Patreon episode recently, I referred to a Lionel Richie album as Tuskegee. It's Tuskegee. Oh, my God. Right. So I, I got Whatever. I got multiple, multiple uh, messages. Oh I would read God. that like uh, Tuskegee as well. I think I think some words for some reason we just pronounce differently. I would hear someone say something differently and go, huh. And then I would go about my day. Did I I'd tell you I was listening to this book and they say Uluru a lot in it, but they say Uluru. Oh. <laughs> That's see? an audio book. And it it is funny to hear a word you know really well yeah. said wrong a lot. I haven't sent an email off or anything. <laughs> but it is, it is sort of it's a jarring Have a bit of a giggle and move on. But anyway, Dave, who are you yes. thanking? People are like, is it me? Am I from Issaquah, Washington? <laughs> yes, if your name is David Van Dorn Shield. And I bet you, if it isn't, I bet you wish it w- you yeah, were. Yeah, that's an amazing name. Van Dorn wow. Shield. David Van Dorn Shield. That's DVDs. great. DVDs. Oh, DVDs. Wow. DVDs. <gasps> DVDs. So it's got to be. But we already DVDs. had a DVD-related one. Yeah, that's this right. This one should be about Blu-rays. Betamax. Blu-rays. Oh. <laughs> Oh, That's a generational it. thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't own a single Blu-ray. I don't. I don't, I don't never, know how they're different. I've never seen one. I, I think they're maybe. I've, I've never, never seen. seen I've, I've, I've never <laughs> seen a Blu-ray. I've, no one's ever put one on for me. I've never seen one. <laughs> what are they? I, I think it's, it must be a clearer picture. But if you saw the same shit TV, does yeah. it make a difference? Mm. No. I wonder. I yeah, prob- it may probably makes even the shittest TV slightly better. Honestly. Because like a video looks shitter than a DVD on the same TV. Have you ever seen a Blu-ray? Is I mean, one? in a shop. I've been doing a podcast with you for five years. We've travelled the world together. We know everything about each other. And I have never felt closer to yeah, you than in this moment. Who, I mean, who's, who's, uh, who's watching physical media bl- anymore? Who's getting those? I know Tony Martin does. Yeah. But outside of him, why? he loves Blu-rays. I think. Tony, <laughs> why? Can you? Can we? He come also over? has a landline phone. He doesn't. He My does. parents got rid of theirs. I think it. I, I, I reckon that's a, a cool thing about him. I listened to a podcast. It was on a while back where everyone else is zooming and he's on through a landline. <laughs> How? <laughs> I don't know. Oh yeah, you can dial in. Did just dial in. I think it was through a radio. Did you hear call waiting? <laughs> yeah. Boop boop. That's batshit. Boop boop. Um, can Tony invite us over to watch a Blu-ray then? Oh man, that's that's one of my showbiz dreams is getting invited over to watch. He's got he you know how he he had uh he made a movie for um it was like going to be the DVD extra. It's an old story, so I'm, I might have misremembered a little bit for um Mick Molloy's movie about the boy band. Yeah, he was going to do a whole other thing. It was going to be DVD extra. Boy and town. There, boy boy town. town. And there was a falling out or something, so it never quite happened. But apparently, sometimes he'll do showings at his place because oh it never got released. Oh my god! So somehow we got to get to the stature where we can go. Hey Tony, uh, have us around next time you're showing. <laughs> Hey, pop the kettle on and get the <laughs> get the Blu-ray out. The last time I saw him, I uh, thought, oh, my God, I'm going to impress him here. Uh, here we go. Was that our mutual friend Sam Peterson was screening a movie that we'd both sort of done a bit part in. And then, you know, Tony Martin's talking about movies. I was like, oh, and he referenced the movie The Big Country. And I said, oh, it was my uh, grandpa's funeral last week and that was his favourite movie and I wheeled the coffin out to the theme song <laughs> from that. <laughs> That's fun, Dave. Yeah. That's a fun, Here we go. light All fact. Right. Keep the fun times rolling. I have That's a feeling. That's a grim fact, Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is grim. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I miss him. Sorry. <laughs> 
sorry, oh, it's movie. so sorry it's to hear. Day. <laughs> <laughs> and you look off into the middle distance. <laughs> All glassy-eyed. <laughs> oh, it's just amazing that it, it came up, but I probably should have kept it to myself. <laughs> hey, is that is that the film about this, the the council? Uh, is that that f- film Sam made? About the council? Yes. Yeah, I think I got cut from that film. <laughs> What a claim! <laughs> what a claim! And wasn't I? Don't think I was invited to the. Yeah, no, another I'm grim doing, fact there. I'm doing his podcast this weekend. I Can might you bring um, it up. I'm going to bring up Please the fact that a up. you were cut and b I was never cast. Wow, I'm on the poster, so <laughs> get fucked. Yeah, why's your ugly mug get to be on a poster? Of the three of us, you're maybe equal second. Come on, in line cartoon form though. So they made me look hot. Oh, mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, you're I'd actually fuck pretty cartoon, hot. Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you said it. I'm glad someone said it. <laughs> Thank you so much. We haven't given David anything. Oh, he's from Issaquah, Sorry, David. Washington. Sorry, David. David it's very late. Van, David Van Dorn Shields. Um, he did the splits between two moving trucks. Whoa. <laughs> Van Damme style. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, he did it without a license. Oh, Again. no insurance. No insurance. Wow. Yeah, crossing state lines. Oh, yeah, that's and a big just, you Federal know, offence. F- like social lines he's crossing. Yeah. Because he was also pantsless. Yeah, he was wearing arseless chaps. <laughs> Everyone could see his balls. Yeah, you could see Dangling right up in there the breeze. And right up the, uh, his Issa crack. <laughs> it was honestly inappropriate. Finally pronounced it properly. Um, <laughs> but what did David say it was? Like when, when he was talking to his friends about it later. He was like, streaky. He was this streaky. Is, is this a truck-related mishap? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say anymore. <laughs> I was straddling two trucks and they started pulling apart. I was saying, stop, stop. Luckily, my legs are very flexible. <laughs> yes. and I was able to keep the stretch up for six miles over the state line. And luckily, I was signalling to the truck driver. To stop, but all he thought I was asking him to hoot the horn, and he yeah. did. Ha, ha. <laughs> and I was going, yes, that's delightful, but not now. <laughs> Luckily, I was in my arseless chaps. <laughs> so I didn't split any pants. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I love my pants. So thank you to David Van Dorn Shields. And sorry that we went on a bit of a, a rant uh, We talked recently about trying to make sure we kept this tightish. Yeah, we did, <laughs> yeah. didn't we? Oh. This uh, feels like we've really ballooned way back out. Uh, Oh, well. Thanks for the people still listening. Um, and that brings us to the last bit of business we love to do, mm-hmm. and that is inviting a few people into the Triptych Club. And we have three inductees tonight uh, who I'm very excited to be bringing into the club. Uh, and the way we do this is if you've been on the shout-out section or above on p- our Patreon for three years straight, you get invited in this club. I'm standing in the door. I got the velvet rope. I got a clipboard. If your name's on there, I lift the rope. You enter. Dave will hype you up. He's the hype man. Yeah. And Jess hypes Dave's hype work. Jess has also got some drinks and hors d'oeuvres on the go. Dave's booked a band. Who we got playing tonight? Dave? We got uh, Fat Boy Slim. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Right here? Yeah. Fucking in heaven. Right. All right. Here we go. There. What? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah, I can. Yes. And Jess, what do we got on, on the menu? Um, drinks wise? We've got a range of seltzers. Oh. Hard seltzers are very in right now. Mm. Um, and I'm I'm nothing if not a trend follower. Oh, yeah. You're on um, point. And obviously food related, Forest Tucker, we do have uh, Forest Tucker. Yep. Uh, we oh. call it Bush Tucker, but for our American. Fantastic. You'll, your American uh, 
guests, you'll be more familiar with Forest Tucker, yeah. obviously, um, Witchetty Grubs. Yeah. Um, American Witchetty Grubs. Yeah. Um. Uh. Uh. What's the uh? What's the bread? Damper. 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 And there's a range of other. Oh, I love damper. Tucker. All right, great. Well, let's bring them in. Uh, firstly, I'd love to welcome into the club from Blackburn in Victoria. Oh. It's Stephanie Mitchell. Oh. <gasps> No sick burns for you. Come on in. <laughs> Stephanie Mitchell from Blackburn. Blackburn. Steph's a very good friend of mine. Really? Yes. Oh, I should have tried harder. Sorry. No, no, no. I think you nailed that. She'll be very happy. Thank you. Uh, I'd also love to... She has a little dog named David. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. It's the best. I love it. I'd also love to th- uh, welcome in from Mitchelton in <laughs> Queensland, Joe Penning. <laughs> Great Saints supporter, Joe Penning. Penning the memoirs. No. You don't need it. Well, you'll be writing about tonight when you pen your penning your memoirs, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was pretty good. That was very good. Look, I wanted time. to I wanted to tell you the piss off, but also fantastic work. Credit no, that was on me for not hyping you enough. Credit where credits to you. Thank yeah, you. well done. And finally, Dave. All right, let's get ready. Oh, there's only one more. One more. Oh my goodness. You gotta sorry. go. Just go you hard. Go in. Go with your gut. Straight away. You okay, can do here this. Here we go. Woo! All right, from St. Charles in M.O., I'm going to say Missouri, it is Timothy Stephen Moore. Well, I'll be dead in the cold, cold ground before I recognize Missouri. Welcome in, Stephen! Timothy Stephen Moore. Timothy Stephen Moore. (laughs) Hey, we couldn't love you anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Could I be any more Timothy (laughs) Stephen? Matt makes that joke a lot. I don't really get it. I think (laughs) it's something to do with Chandler. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm with you, Dave. I think it's something of a channel. It's just fun to say. It is fun to say. It's fun to say. Uh, uh, thank you so much. Thank honestly. you so much. Welcome in, Stephanie, Joe, and Timothy. Uh, enjoy, Fat Boy Slim, laying down <laughs> some fat beats while you drink a hard seltzer and some bugs. Wow. <laughs> What a combo. <laughs> I mean, if you want the fresh stuff, everything we've said in previous weeks is still on the menu of also. Of course, yeah. It's Can honestly The waiter is trying to hold that many plates of hors d'oeuvres. Mm. It's very hard, it's hard for them. It's too much. We should get another waiter. Yeah, the we've got one. waiter? <laughs> am, am I crazy? Mm. Well, let's have a meeting. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that on pod. <laughs> Crunch some numbers. <laughs> really setting, <laughs> setting the bar high now. Uh, well, that really brings us to the end of the episode. What a fun time it's been. A wild journey. Mm. We heard about a man. The man, the myth, the legend. Mike Whitney. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I learned that he played cricket. I didn't know that. So, you know, we can all walk away here with new information, which will leave my head as soon as I walk out that door. Love it. And Forrest Tucker. Amazing story. Great work, Jess. Uh, and the next time you'll hear us if or and see us mm. is if you've got a ticket to the live stream this week. If you're listening to this sometime in the future, you should still be able to get a ticket uh, and watch the episodes um, from the fair old northern America. I was going to say northern hemisphere, also true. Mm. But more specifically, we're doing it from North America via Stupid Old Studios or vice versa there. Um, so you can get your tickets at OS. SOSpresents.com And uh, yeah, find us at Do Go On Pod on all the things, including the websites.com, mm-hmm. the at Gmails for emails, the Twitters, the Facebooks, the Instagrams. And the TikTok. Just kidding. That was a good joke. Yeah. 
And yeah, that's probably everything there, I think. Yeah. Oh, and YouTube. And YouTube. Check us out. And you can suggest a topic at any time or join the Patreon. That's also on the website, dogonpod.com. But until next time, I guess that's it for another week. Mm-hmm. And until then, I will say thank you and goodbye. Later. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.